through the waters of Babylon like a rebel fish. Journalist, specialist, critical and survivalist. Spinning heaven, fight from his lips. Burn slave driver. Welcome, listeners, to Time for an Awakening on Black Talk Radio Network, the new media for the new millennia. This is a history and current events program from a cultural perspective. We find this program necessary because Hosea 4, 6 states, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge, but we as a people can turn this around. Proverbs 4, 7 states, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom with all that getting it an understanding. Again, welcome to the program this evening with your hosts, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. The number to reach us to join the conversation this evening is 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We're streaming live at several locations. You can go to timeforandawakening.com which is the homepage and catch the live stream from that location. You can go to www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. Again, it's www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening and catch the live stream there also. You can go to a bb2me.com forward slash time for an awakening. That's A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. Dot com forward slash time for an awakening and the live stream is playing there. Or you can download the tune in tune in radio app to any of your devices. Tune in radio app is a free device. And in that tune in search engine, just type in time for an awakening. There you'll see the icon and you can stream the program live even into your car. If you had a Bluetooth capabilities or the auxiliary connection again, that's time for an awakening radio program with the live stream on the tune in app. Drop us an email at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Again, that's timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Time for an Awakening also has a fan page on Facebook. In that Facebook search engine, just type in Time for an Awakening radio program. There you always see interesting content being posted daily by myself or Brother Richard. And do me a favor before you leave that page, just hit that like button. That's Time for an Awakening radio program. For the fan page on Facebook and Time for an Awakening media is there. Always full of the latest podcasts of the various programs on Time for and Awakening Media. Interesting articles that you can read, download at later times, and share with your friends. Also, check out that Time for and Awakening Marketplace and our partnership with the BB Toomey. Always interesting things in the marketplace all the time. Various African language classes, classes on education, economics, social systems, health, and much, much more being taught by professors on both the continent and in the diaspora. So, again, make that one of your favorites. Put that in your address bar. That's timeforanawakening.com. Timeforanawakening.com will take you straight to Time for an Awakening Media. It's 7.08 here in the city of Philadelphia on this Sunday evening here, and we're in the Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening radio program. A little different uh, slant today. We usually have a live guest uh, on the Sunday edition, but uh, tonight you're the guest. We're in open forum this evening. Uh, myself and Brother Richard will probably throw out a couple of topics and then you can join in and talk about that or talk about whatever you want. You can do that by dialing 215 490 
832. Again, that's 215-490-9832. We'll be right back to get the program started after a brief word from our sponsors. Mr. Moderator, our distinguished guests, brothers and sisters, our friends and, and our enemies. <laughs> Everybody is here. You are listening to Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Overworked? Suffering with an underperforming company, headache customer, staff, or vendors? Or are you a startup who wants to get it right the first time and avoid the costly mistakes? We turned a $24,000 a year odd job handyman service into a seven-figure high-end custom home builder and commercial contractor licensed and operating in three states. This is just one transformation created for entrepreneurs like you in various industries around the country. Not where you're used to from accounting and business consulting? Well, welcome to New Business Solutions. If you're ready to go beyond advising, coaching, and training and get implemented results, call 301-244-9072. Let New Business Solutions apply the best comprehensive administrative accounting, operations, human resources, management, sales, and marketing to help you actualize your vision for yourself and your company. From anywhere nationally, call 301-244-9072. Spelled new as in numerous on your device right now. Book your free consultation at newbusinesssolutions.com. History is a clock that people use to tell their political and cultural time of day. It is also a compass that people use to find themselves on the map of human geography. History tells of people where they have been and what they have been, where they are and what they are. 
most important, history tells a people where they still must go, what they still must be. The relationship of history to the people is the same as the relationship of a mother to her child. From antiquity to the present, our people need to develop a new paradigm. It's time for an awakening with your host, Brother Elliot. Sundays, 7 p.m., Fridays at 8 p.m. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit us up at Time for an Awakening at gmail.com. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening at uh, 713 in the city of Philadelphia in this Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. Before we get started for our, with our program this evening, I want to welcome in my co-host, Philadelphia activist and tour guide at the African American Museum here in Philadelphia, 7th and Arch Street. Brother Richard is with us. Brother Richard. Yes, sir, brother. How are you, sir? Um, I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to see how you uh, start us off tonight in uh, developing with the topics that uh, we need to engage in and see how the audience have topics that need to be engaged in. But I'm, I'm doing fine. Yeah, Richard, uh, let me say this before we get started. Um, uh, this week we've been working with some technical issues on the website. A lot of things have been going crazy there, and uh, been getting some technical help to get things back on track. Hopefully within the next day or two, things will be back to normal. But I uh, understand a lot of things have been going on in reference to the website and uh, things of that nature. But uh, we're working on those things now. Um uh, Believe me, when you're uh, dealing and uh, trying to get information out, you're working on a shoestring, and sometimes the shoestring gets broke. Uh, but uh, you know how back in the day when your shoestring get broke, Richard, you tie one end together and you st- string it back in your shoe, and you you deal with it. So uh, hopefully within the next couple of days, uh, things will be back to normal and, and back like it's supposed to be. Uh, Richard, a couple of things, man. You know, we don't have any guests this evening, so we're in open forum, so folks can uh, call in and, and raise topics of what they want to talk about. But a couple of things that I saw, and I, I want to uh, throw it out there, because we had talked about uh, Juneteenth and some of the recognitions involved in Juneteenth. And, and, and I know that you were doing something on it in reference at the museum. Um, I want you to kind of open that up, because I think that discussion is, is, uh, is timely, and there's certain things involved that our people really need to take a critical look at dealing with Juneteenth. And also, um, uh, uh, Mark Lamont Hill uh, did a thing the other day. Uh, he had a, and I don't know whether you saw that video, Richard. He had yeah, a, I, I mean, the boy looked like he was uh, a teenager. looked like he'd maybe been 16. How old did he look to you? Yeah, he, I mean, well, he was in his 20s. You I think mean, so? Because he said in college and, and he did. Uh, well, he really looks young. He I, I don't. He can't be over 23, 24 years old. Yeah, he's young though. I mean, uh, you know, he's he's young, but um, very. I mean, the the thing that got me and 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 I I commend um, Lamont Hill for um, you know at least trying to give him the opportunity to sound somewhat in uh, informed in the sense of the questions, but it, it shows how propaganda through a black, black body operates to, you know, continue a, a white um, 
Well, and 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 for for this uh, for this discussion in relationship to America Juneteenth and and what it means and whatever, um, you know, um, it may be a simple expression, but white and black is not um, basically simple when it comes to America. No, it's, it's foundational. Um, I mean the the colorful language is not, but the term white and the term black is anchored into something in the fiber of the American system. And then you have people trying to support it. Well, you know, and I'm glad that you mentioned that because, and I'm going to play those clips so the listening audience can hear it if they haven't heard it. Because it was two, it was one, Hill did an interview with uh, this young uh, man. And uh, then a young sister got up before the uh, Florida, some type of thing they was having in Florida because they had a debate with this critical race theory in Florida. And she got up and made statements. Mm-hmm. And it's clear from their statements, Richard, that they're expressing a narrative that's not coming from black people. Yes. Or it might be coming from certain black people, but put it this way, the origin of that, narr- of that narrative has not come from black people. Mm-hmm. But they're repeating it. I want to get the listening audience opinion on it. I'm going to play it. Uh, 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 I don't know. You know, we'll be playing it soon. But uh, before we get to that and, and, you know, get some of the audience involved, you know, some of the things in reference, because I know you're doing a presentation on Juneteenth, Richard, but uh, talk about some of the things that you had expressed to me. I think it's important for listening audience to kind of analyze. Yeah, well... And, and it's and it's and it's hard because my mind and hopefully bear with me, Ellie, because my mind is <clears throat> excuse me. It's you know as we're developing this here, um, you know the question we we were wrestling with is you know the way Juneteenth is presented. Well, let's let's first deal with the and I don't know what first word, because right now the major focus in my mind I don't know how many people and I don't know if you want to deal with this first. Um, you know, in the sense of, it's always been promoted that in Texas, the African the um, African population didn't hear about um, Lincoln's um, proclamation until two years later. Yeah, and, right. I mean, that's that's the it seems to have been before Juneteenth. Yeah, and as as I keep hearing people talk about it, maybe two, and we have said it, maybe three years ago, Juneteenth was not no big thing. I mean, it's been a historical thing maybe in Texas, but as far as a national thing, it was not a big thing. No. You know, so, you know, the, but the question that just didn't make sense to us and, and what we're, 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 you know, one of the things that focused on is that it was centered around the African population not hearing about um, the, the emancipation for two years. What wasn't developed, and this is the reason why us, being steeped in our own historical understanding, doing our own historical um, fact collecting, and then providing our own historical narrative is so important is because um, what we find out is that the reason why that the African population that was on those plantations in Texas is because Texas was held by the Confederate Army, and the Union Army hadn't got there yet um, for the two years. And when they the, um, the the troops that actually were able to get there 
they didn't get there, you know, like I said, two years later. And um, and, and they, they, they had a large difference, and this is with the military thing, I'm not too good, but it had a large uh, of several different USCT, United States Colored Troops, who then um, broke the Confederate line going, to, you know, coming into Mexico, coming through the water. And that's when the, the, um, um, the population of, 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 of Africans on those plantations in Texas was able to now not just hear about it because they, they heard about it, yeah. but able to be able to move because they had, quote unquote, backup. There was now Union troops. And we knew two years earlier that that same thing occurred in Virginia and whatever because of the um, the amount of African-Americans. Who, and, and I don't want to make it uh, solely like, uh, which I believe, if the free, free Africans did not join the Union Army, the successes in campaigns would not occur. That's the military side. And if they, those Africans didn't do as um, um, W.E.B. Du Bois said, produce the general strike in the sense of walking off those Southern plantations, then they would not have been able to get the headway over the Confederate troop on that side. But they, they, were, they were losing campaigns before that. Mm-hmm. Fusion of free Africans and the um, self-emancipation of uh, Africans off of the plantation. Because those Africans that were on those plantations, they were a part of the supply line for the Confederate troops, right? I mean, they they were the ones supplying the raw, at least the food material and other support. So when they walked off, that destabilized the Confederate troops. Again, I'm not a military historian, so I don't have that, but that's the understanding, the general understanding. But as it relates to Texas, not until um, they, you know, that that movement into um, Texas by the Union Army, um, by the these Africans um, um, able to really overrun the Confederate army. And by that time, Lee is getting ready to surrender. Um, that's when Africans were able in Texas to, I think that's a different, for the short, that's a different narrative than what we've been hearing. Yeah. And, 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 and I agree with you because that's the narrative that has been pushed out there maybe the past four or five years. It might be less than that because Juneteenth wasn't a celebrated holiday in a lot of Northern areas. In fact, a lot of Northern blacks didn't knew nothing about Juneteenth. I'm talking about Northern blacks that were from different areas in the North right. that might've had a little disconnection with the South. Right. A lot of areas in the South knew about it. They might not have been celebrating it the way they are now, but right. they knew about it, but right. that's not the narrative that has been put out there. It was like the word was slow getting to Texas and things of that nature, but Texas was a, a, still a stronghold of the Confederacy. It was right. for blacks. It was almost like a, a large penal colony or prison camp. They could, I mean, if they knew about uh, uh, the people being free, which they did, they couldn't do anything about it at the time. Right. 
And it's and it's and it's good that you contextualize that penal colony um, aspect because we know the Thirteenth Amendment as it when it eventually came into being. Now we're talking that's a movement at little later, right? But um, the only reason why slavery is maintained is because of the you know if you are convicted of a crime, right? I mean that's the Thirteenth Amendment. But, but let's go back to the Emancipation and Juneteenth in Texas, if I may, because what I found, and it like really struck me, and I don't know if you wanted me to go there with this, as I looked at this here, Juneteenth, and these other things that's coming up, you mentioned earlier about um, the legislation, the school legislation that occurred in Florida, um, which was to, and they did um, um, vote to nullify the 1619 project and the critical race theory project. But what, what struck me about what happened at that moment when the, um, um, the, the general um, um, came into general Grager um, came to Texas to give, he, he had a few of military special orders. There's one that struck me, you know, and now we're talking about a Union Army now defeating the um, Confederate military and and really confiscating the um, the the, uh, the the Southern um, rebels or or supposedly um, you know plantation owners um, that from that area. What struck me, and I hope people um, um, they can be able to Google and bring up Special Order Number Three. Now, that that the order, and I don't know if you got a chance to look at it, Ellie. I'm looking at it right now. You know, that order really, like, I have to say in the vernacular, it rocked my world. Now, here we are, Africans, you know, now getting the yoke of the Confederate troop and the plantation owners off of their back. What does special order number three say? Can I, can I read that? Go ahead. Because uh, listen, Richard, when you read it, it, it contextualizes and conceptualizes black folks relationship here in this country. Exactly. It totally does. It goes to, you know, I don't, the, all these labels are critical race theory and all, it, you know, I the, throw the labels out. It, it shows you the relationship that Europeans Put it this way. We know the relationship that our people had with Europeans up until 1865 or 66 when this came out. But it shows you the relationship that Europeans wanted to have with you afterwards and to the present day. It it tells me that. Maybe don't tell the listening audience something else. But but read that and let's let's talk about that. I'm going to bring some of this stuff in about the critical race theory, play them clips, and then go to the calls. But go ahead. But let me, can, can I, because another paradoxical thing, that same year, six months prior, and we, we dealt with that before, um, Sherman met with, met with black leaders in Georgia. Yeah. Remember he asked, this, wait a minute now, this is six months prior, right? He asked them, what do you, you know, uh, um, 
State in what manner you would rather live, whether scattered among whites or in colonies by yourself. Oh, and I call him the old man Frazier, said, I would prefer to live by ourselves, for there is prejudice against us in the South that will take years to get over. But I do not speak, I do not know that I can answer for my brother. And all except one, which he was a young minister, they agreed with old man Frazier. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at it right now. This is what, but six months later, when this, this general Granger comes with to read with special order number three, he's the order he reads, the people are informed that in accordance with the proclamation from the executive of the United States, all slaves are free. This involves an absolute equality of personal rights and rights of property between former master. I think that's important in there saying you, you still going to have being a relationship with those masters that you were in relationship and slaves. Mm-hmm. And the connection here to here for existing between them become that between employer and hired labor. So basically, the relate am I, does that mean, and putting it out there, hopefully for people who may have different perception or, or agree for the, of the time for awakening, he's saying the system is going to maintain the same. It's just we're going we gonna to characterize it differently, right? Yeah. Masters is now going to be the employer, and the what used to be slaves is going to be the labor. This is special order. This is a union general. Right. The freed are advised to remain at their present homes and work for wages. So now wait a minute and finish that out, Richard. There's only one more sentence to it. They are informed that they will not be allowed to collect at a military post and that they will not be supported in idleness either there or elsewhere. And this is a union general setting the parameters of this emancipation. Now, 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 wait a minute. Let me let me go back into this. I, I just want to make it a little clearer. Go ahead. Go ahead. It says, from here to four, you are supposed to remain at the plantations that you are at. Mm-hmm. And the relationship now is going to be employer to empl- employee to hired labor. Now, this is the word from the United States government, not this guy's opinion, not a renegade just given out. To, he came with orders from the president. Right. You're supposed to remain there and work. He's your boss. Before he was your master. Now he's a, a little nicer word. He's your boss. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to stay there. Now, don't come on. It says there will be uh, uh they are informed that they will not be allowed to collect at the military base, meaning don't come over here. Don't come here. If you don't want to stay on that plantation, don't come here. And don't. And it says uh, you will not be supported in idleness either there or anywhere else. So if you don't remain on your plantation, where were they supposed to go? Hmm. Now, a lot of them did leave there. They left. Right. A lot of them stayed. 
But look at the, I think what you're trying to bring out, and I'm going to pass the, back, pass the mic back to you, is the relationship that was, that was established by the United States government with our ancestors at that time. And if you remember, just like you read, months before that, when Sherman met with our ancestors in, in, in Georgia after the, the South was defeated, they told them distinctly how they wanted to live. And I'll go back and, and, and reiterate it because these are the words of our ancestors, including the white guy, Sherman, that was asking them questions. It says, uh, state what manner you think that you can take care of yourselves and how you can best assist the government in maintaining your freedom. It says the way that we can best take care of ourselves is to have our own land uh, and to be able to till the soil and work by our own labor. That is the labor of our men, our women, and our children and old men. So we can soon maintain ourselves and have something to spare. And we'll be able to assist the government in maintaining our freedom. We want to be placed on land until we're able to buy it and make it our own. Now, notice what they're saying, Richard. Mm-hmm. Leave us alone. We want to develop our own men, women, children, and old men. We'll earn the money and pay you for this land. Mm-hmm. And then the, the, the other quote, the fourth quote, it says, state what manner you would rather live in, whether scattered among whites or in colonies by yourselves. And just like you stated earlier, I would prefer to live by ourselves, for there's a prejudice among us uh, in the South that will take years to get over. I don't it, go ahead. Doesn't this critical race theory bear out the response to it? Certainly yeah. it does. This elder is saying. Certainly it does. He said years. Well, he was wrong, you know, about that, his estimation. And I'm glad we can look at back at history because it, it ain't no years. This is, has centuries and it will never get over. Well, you know, like, give him, give him, like, he didn't say how many years. <laughs> okay, well, all right. He just said years now. Give Brother Manson, give, give him some play. But, about, but wait a minute, Richard. This is the thing, and it goes back to some of this current discussion. Mm-hmm. These answers that was given to by, I think it was 28 leaders at that time that met with Sherman. These answers that was given to them at that time was taken back to Lincoln. I think he was still alive at that time. It was taken back to him. So when they went to Galveston and yes. gave those special orders, yes. what, what the hell? Come on, man. See, our people got to realize, you know, listen, you got a lot of our people that want to assimilate. There's no integration that want to assimilate, want to be with whites. That's up to them. Have at it. But if you study history, you could see clearly that our people been double crossed at every avenue that they try to attain some type of independence and I'm saying independence from white folks you can see here that our ancestors wanted independence from these people they said listen give us land we didn't fought we, we didn't freed ourselves give us some land let us develop ourselves and we'll pay you for it they didn't ask for no welfare no handout Go ahead. I just wanted to throw that in there to, in relation to what you were saying. Yeah, I think that, you know, and I would, um, because, and I'm just becoming aware of it, you know, and listening to others, 
because in Texas today, and I think the, um, I think that that's enough to show what, you know, and I apologize for jumping, to show the basis of, and I'm not speaking in, in that, um, um, Derek Bell, anybody that, um, you know, Derek Bell is one of the um, writers of, that, that flushed out the um, critical race theory along with, um, uh, I forget her first name, Crenshaw, who are both lawyer, um, lawyers, right? Um, who's saying this is at the legal level, right? But I, what, I, what I wanted to make another noun point, because just like Florida is dealing with 1619 and the critical race theory, Texas legislation, legislators are pushing the 1836 project as a means of dealing with this, what's going to be taught. Now, I haven't, you know, again, looking for the time for the wicked witness to be, you know, the fact checker, checkers. In 1836, Texas declared itself an independent nation, state. It wasn't even a part of the, you know, I mean, they, they broke away from, they took, a, they, they fought. It was that David Crockett and, and, and Daniel Boone, mm. and, <laughs> right? They fought the Mexicans who did not allow slavery, right? Mm. The country, the, the state, they did not have their thing in the, the territory of Mexico. There was no slavery. Texas was a slave uh, plantation, slave owning, um, what's that, land grab uh, uh, colony, you know, in that area, those people. And they decided they want slavery. 1830, 1836, they fight and they win against the Mexicans. So now Texas become a slave owning state written into law. So isn't it interesting? They're going to be anti-critical race theory, which is for us to be able to tell the story from the basis that this country fundamentally at the legal level makes the distinction about race to where they're going to propagate the period that they create a constitution where they instill that that will be a race base society. And that's okay to be able to teach in the, in the public school in Texas through this 1836 project. That's Now, this is happening within this month, this period of Juneteenth, this month of, as you say, the um, Black people are saying, this is how we should, America should be telling the truth about American history including our experience and the backlash of whites are saying, no, we're a ethnic nation that don't want anything but white dominant, white domination in this nation. And then we see even the federal military system comes and comes to Texas in June and tell those um, in this, those Africans in that period, look, you free, but under these conditions. 
We just changing the name. <laughs> right? And that, and that the, you know, and I, and I, I don't, I don't, I, cause I guess I, I was thinking about this. I started scrambling around here looking for, you know, little things that I have. And you can, I can, you can go back to, you know, a certain group of white folks was telling in Massachusetts was telling them back in seven, in 17, in the 1776, again, at a state general court saying, you know, um, dealing with whether they should pass laws to abolish slavery. And it loses. And then the ones who are of the minority opinion say to the already, uh, um, the first way, as, as stated here, in 1776, the state general court passed a law to prevent, to prevent the sale of two Africans seized on the high seas. But attempts to uh, the attempts to abolish slavery by law was stillborn. The first draft of the state constitution in 1778 recognized slavery and denied blacks the right to vote. The church, the chagrin of some residents in Sutton who argued that it added to the already accumulated load of guilt lying on the land. When I seen that, I said, now that's a quote. That's seven, that's in seven, what was that, 1778. And these white folks today are saying, well, we don't, we don't want to feel guilty. Then white folks then were saying, what you doing by maintaining slavery? You're maintaining that you're going to place this under that the guilt will be maintained if you do this. You not you don't abolish slavery, right? And it and it goes and it goes on that although the Massachusetts Constitution of 1780 removed divine vengeance, uh, I mean removed the color bar for voting. Wait a minute, in 1780 removed the color bar for voting and included a bill of rights. It did not abolish slavery. Why I'm, I think this is important because it's what the critical race theory is saying with those who are enunciating that the separation of, of how Africans are placed within the American empire, within this colonial uh, uh, settler state is to be at the bottom. And does, doesn't that general order number three, if you're a laborer, you ain't owner. Doesn't isn't that aren't you in a different relationship? They ain't saying that you wanted to be owners like those brothers six months prior. They say, look, you put us on the land, we'll pay you for it. We are owners. That was that was that that was their intention. Mm-hmm. But we see here when that word was taken back uh, by this chairman to Lincoln and his cohorts and the Senate and the Congress, and they analyze it. They, uh uh uh-uh. nah. Nah, we not having that. So when they went and finally got the word to Texas and defeated all those Confederates that were still uh, holding Texas under their jurisdiction, that was the word that went to them. Not the word of, well, you, listen, you got land. If you want this land, you know, you, you take it, cultivate it, you pay us for whatever. No, you stay on the plantation and you have a employer-employee Excuse me, employer worker relationship. Don't leave because if you idle, then you know what's going to happen. Then Richard, you're going to be arrested. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now I don't say that there, but it, it's, if it's telling you, don't be idle. 
don't come here to a government installation and don't stand idle. What is that? What, what, what alternative? What is it leaving you? They'll have to run away, similar to if they were still enslaved. See, but but the, what I'm what I'm really trying to break into, Richard, is the narrative that whites put out that if we don't push back against this bull crap, we'll be teaching this stuff to our children. That's not the reality of what this government did to our people. Oh, the word was just slow getting to Texas, and when they finally heard, oh, the people was free, like they just basically did what they wanted to do. That's not true at all. Mm-hmm. And and, and, the, and the other thing I want to bring out, and then we'll you know kind of move it forward. Juneteenth flag. I've been seeing this flag <laughs> running up poles. They did it here in Philadelphia. They had some brothers and sisters outside City Hall. Several of them had the red, black, and green. But I seen some politicians. They was running this flag up the pole. Said it's the Juneteenth flag. And you kind of brought it to my attention about this flag. Because a lot of people are doing And see, this goes towards um, the, the, the mantra that they use at the beginning of the program. Our people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. Now, I'm quite sure if you went down there and talked to some of those brothers and sisters that was running that flag up the pole, they might not know the origin. What, what does this flag mean? Who who made it? You do, I want the time for awakening on this. Do some research on this Juneteenth flag. Now, let me just read a few things here, Richard. Uh, Juneteenth, a holiday recognized by African-American community and has been celebrated for over 100 years. It was first celebrated in Texas, June 19, 1866, to commemorate the end of slavery and uh, the people learning about the emancipation. The Juneteenth flag was created in order to signify and solidify the holiday for all Americans. And the Juneteenth flag is most noted for its distinct colors and shapes. Over two decades in creation, people across the country are still utilizing the flag as a symbol of liberty and freedom for African-Americans. Who made the Juneteenth flag? The flag was created by activist Ben Hayes, known as Boston Ben, and uh, Lisa Janine Graff redefined the illustrations and brought the current day flag to life. The Juneteenth flag symbolizes freedom and justice. The colors of the flag are similar to the United States, the red, white, and blue, uh, to show one can't separate African-Americans from the history of America. And the colors of the flag are deliberate, chosen and deliberately chosen by Haith. And the collaborations to show that African-Americans are throughout enslavement were Americans. And the black community is one with America. The colors chosen further uh, furthers the notion that America must ensure all citizens liberty and justice for all. Now, uh, black Americans were always black Americans were always American. The flag symbolizes the red, white, and blue. Now, these two people, one of them is clearly white. The other one. I'm 90% sure it's white. You can't find no pictures of this guy, Ben Heath. 
So I'll just take an account that he is because his colleague is. How, how do you have, Richard, who has, what nationality you know has two people create a flag for them and determine the parameters of what it means? Sound like Jack Special Order number three. I mean, what, what the hell is this? And some of our people running the flag up the pole and, 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 and marching, and some of them was, was marching in their parade with it. Do they know who, who's who? They letting other people determine the parameters of how they recognize their ancestors in their fight against these Europeans that c- c- continuously try to oppress them. You want to run? They take that flag and wipe. Tell Ben Hayes and Janine Graff, take that flag and. I don't even want to say what to do with it on air. If our people want to march and recognize the accomplishments or what our people tried to do against this racist system and the racist uh, uh, children and progenitors and th- their children are still here fighting against these people, then use red, black, and green. That definitely came from our people. Don't use no symbols coming from these Europeans talking about our people was always Americans. In, in whose eyes? It sure wasn't in your eyes. And some of our people that clearly had the illusion that they were, it was an illusion. I'm just throwing that out there. Maybe some of the uh, uh, other time for where you can do a little more research and take mine further. But these people that created this flag here is not black at all. They're white. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, and in Boston. I just wanted to, you know, because I can't see how something related to Texas get made in Boston and then become a national symbol. And I'm a national symbol. For something that occurred in Texas. You would think the people in Texas would at least create the Juneteenth flag since they've been identifying. But how somebody in people in Boston? Especially some white Bostoners. Are you kidding me? Come on, man. Boston Bob Heath. Janine Graff. Take that flag and wipe it. nothing. Uh, come on, man. <clears throat> you know what? I, well, I ain't going to take no break right now. Um, I, 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 Richard, I just, because, listen, I don't know everything. But when you told me this, and I started doing just a little cursory research, you, you can see here that, the, you know, what did Malcolm say? You've been had. You've been bamboo. You've been took. These people keep doing the same things. Their playbook don't change. The misinformation, the propaganda, the determining narratives of any movements that you try to make, they try to get out in front of it. Now that's their job. If they want to maintain the society, which they have done so far, it's their job to to infiltrate, to get out in front of anything that you try to do, any freedom movements that you want to have, they want to get out in front of it. Now, just like you said, Juneteenth wasn't a widely recognized holiday among blacks all over this country until here recently. And here they go with some type of, I mean, listen, Richard, since you mentioned that to me, I've looked at some of the celebrations around the country and including here in Philadelphia. They got that flag out in front of their marches, a lot of them.
And, and when you, you know, when you spoke earlier about the uh, two people, two black voices in relationship to, you know, the criticals, I think it relates to this Juneteenth because those voices are the people who are supporting, right? This, that would be the supporters of this, this atrocity in my mind. But, it's, it, but it, it requires, because when I listen to the young guys and, and you said you had the clip, but when I listened to the young guy and he was asked directly questions of what is it that you know, this boy didn't know. He didn't he know. Didn't. But wait a minute. He knew what he was told and he got he got on the press and is voicing what is expressed to him the same way that this woman. She right. and in fact, let me play the clips before we go to break. Let me, you, 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 you want you want me to play them now or you want to, uh, to express yeah, some more? I think that, that. Say that again. I'm sorry. I think that you know puts the reinforces what we're developing here. Let me let me let me play a couple of these clips. First, I'll play the the, uh, the young lady that uh, appeared in Florida uh, to express her uh, express the message from the group she represents. Now, if you listen to the clip, she'll say what group she represents. Now, at the time for awakening audiences from their computer, you'll see that that group is conservative white women, but they had her go there and give this message. Now, let me uh, get it up here. Right here. Thank you for having me uh, speak. My name is Keisha King. I'm a mom of two, one who's in the Duval County public school system and one in private school, thanks to school choice. I'm also a member of Moms for Liberty, uh, representing thousands of parents. Just coming off of May 31st, marking the 100 years of the Tulsa riots, it is sad that we are even contemplating something like critical race theory, where children will be separated by their skin color and deemed permanently oppressors or oppressed in 2021. That is not teaching the truth, unless you believe that whites are better than blacks. I have personally heard teachers teaching CRT, and we have had an assembly shut down because Duval County Public School System consultant thought it would be a great idea to separate students by race. This is unacceptable. CRT is not racial sensitivity or simply teaching unfavorable American history or teaching Jim Crow history. CRT is deeper and more dangerous than that. CRT in its outworking today is a teaching that there is a hierarchy in society where white, male, heterosexual, able-bodied people are deemed the oppressor and anyone else outside of that uh, status is oppressed. That's why we see corporations like Coca-Cola asking their employees to be less white, which is ridiculous. I don't know about you, but telling my child or any child that they are in a permanent oppressed uh, status in America because they are black is racist. And saying that white people are automatically above me, my children, or any child is racist as well. This is not something that we can stand for in our country. And don't take it from me. Look at the writers of these types of uh, publications. Our ancestors, white, black, and others, hung, bled, and died right alongside each other to push America towards that more perfect union. If this continues, we will look back and be responsible for the dismantling of the greatest country in the world by reverting to teaching hate and that race is a determining factor on where your destiny lies. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Now, Richard, you hear what she said. Mm-hmm. Now, she represents this group's mom for li- Moms for Liberty. You look up this, there's some conservative white group, white parents and everything. I don't know where they dug her up from to give these messages. 
but she went there to give messages about teaching that white folks, uh, that black children, uh, what did she say, Richard? Um, teaching, you're going to be teaching them hate and that they are permanent underclass and the others is a, a permanent overclass. Yeah, that you are permanent. Yeah. Now, the reality is that we shouldn't have the schools teaching our children this at all. These things should be taught at home or in Saturday classes or in, in, with the recreation centers and, and the churches utilizing this to be teaching our children the reality of the situation here because we don't have to stay permanently underclass of these people at all. Now, that might be their intention. See, that's different. When you're talking about these people's intention is to keep you in a permanent state of ignorance and a permanent underclass, that's Europeans' intention, and it always has been that. And again, critical race theory is saying that that is because it's coded in the law, this relationship. It ain't because people, um, people's skin color and, and a cult, just the cultural, the cultural thing is a part, a part of it. Uh, people, um, you know, whites, but even to be white was coded in the law. And that's why those who, um, and, you know, should get Leon Hickenboxes the shade of freedom and go to that section of the ancestry of inferiority, 1619 to 1662, and look at that court case of John Phillips that started in England, but when it got to in 1624 in Virginia, you see the beginning in law of black, a white superior, white as an identifier and black as an identifier and an inferior by law that's 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 the critical point that critical race theory is bringing up and that's what white folks don't want to um these conservative groups these um and and personal white opinion and these we just got chastised the other day for you know you know trying to that but a certain class certain group of negroes that will mouth you say that they're with it. You say they are assimilated. So then, therefore, they're just- Assim- assimilationists. Yeah. Uh, we don't want to use the term handkerchief head. I'll use how clean up handkerchief head. No, we don't want to use that name calling, Richard. Uh, come on, man. It is what it is. Assimilationists. It is what it is. If they're not, then when you put them to the fire and have them try to explain their positions, they can't. They can't because they're given these marching orders. Just like that sister that got up there. Looked like a nice sister and all. With, uh, you know, I'm quite sure she cares for her family. But that message that she's given is not coming from black people. And you can see that in the next clip, if, if you were able to zero in on it, where this young guy based well, off of Well, let, let, me, let, me, let me play it. <laughs> now, I'm only going to play a segment of it, but the people can get a flavor of what this, this young man is saying. This is C.J. Pearson. He is the campaign manager for Georgia gubernatorial candidate Vernon Jones. He also runs a nonprofit, and he is a very prominent young conservative. C.J., good to see you. Welcome to Black News Tonight. Thanks so much for having me, Mark. It's a pleasure to be here. So I want to make sure that I have understood your position clearly. I don't want to presume that yours is the exact same as anyone else's. Do you oppose the teaching of critical race theory and the 1619 Project in schools? You know, I oppose the teaching of of black victimization, period. I think that 
the color of our skin should not dictate our future. It doesn't determine our future. I think that black people deserve a lot more credit than that. I also believe that teaching our children to hate other people because of the color of their skin or to blame their situation on someone of another race is also wrong. It's a step backwards, not a step forward. Uh, you know, people describe critical race theory as progressive, but it's anything but. As we seek to relitigate the past, all we're doing is rehashing old wounds, uh, and, and they aren't affecting, you know, the, the future of these young people. Young black kids do not need to be told that because they of the color of their skin, they won't be able to overcome the circumstances they find themselves in. That's not going to push our community. That's not going to push our people forward. All it's going to do is just, again, push us further towards victimization and not towards anywhere towards empowerment. Okay, so just for clarity's sake, because I'm not sure you answered the question, do you specifically oppose the teaching of critical race theory and the 1619 project in schools? Yeah, I, I do. And, and the reason I oppose okay, it is, cool, again, cool. because I oppose no, black I, victimization. I, I got your reason. Fair. Okay. One of the things that you said, for, second question, uh, have you read the 1619 project? I, I am familiar with the work of, of the New York Times there with, the, with that project. Here's the deal. You know, we can talk about all the reasons. No, no, no. But, but, so one, one, CJ, one second, though. I, I'm, CJ, one second, though. I just want to make sure so that we can have a full conversation. I just want to make sure, for clarity's sake, have you? I know you're familiar with it, but have you actually read it? I'm familiar with with her work, yes. But have you read the 1619 Project in in particular? I'm familiar with her work. This is we're talking about critical race theory. I don't think all of critical okay. race theory is completely dependent upon the New York Times' reporting of the 1619 Project, unless it is. No, no, that's that's, that's fair. That's fair, and that's fair. The reason I was asking is because this particular bill in Florida, though was specifically specifically named both critical race theory and um, and the 1619 Project. So I was asking if you'd read it since you opposed it. But I understand you're saying you're familiar with her work, even if you haven't read the specific 1619 Project in its entirety, you're saying you're familiar with Nicole Hannah-Jones' work. I would uh, wager to say that it might be helpful to read it in its entirety before have taking that position, but the a priori approach uh, is, is also doable. Um, let me move to another piece of this. You said that teaching that we should hate people... You said two things. One, uh, you said that the idea of teaching people that because of the color of their skin, they won't be able to succeed in America or that the color of their skin is a, is a reasonable explanation for their failure to succeed. The CR, the critical race theory uh, movement, the critical race theory research, critical race theory writing, do you believe that it argues that? Yeah, it, it, it's quite clear. You know, people on the left have managed to somehow conflate black history with critical race theory. It, it's not that. You know, no one on the right is making the argument that you shouldn't be teaching students, young people, about black history. People are saying that you shouldn't teach young people that racism is acceptable if it's directed towards white people. That's what's wrong here. It's teaching young people that we're not in control of our own destiny, young people of color to be specific, that we're not in control of our own destiny, and that is wrong. Today, you look at the words of Martin Luther King Jr., judge not someone by the color of their skin, but the content of their character. Critical race theory is absolutely opposed to that logic, opposed to that uh, that teaching, and that's why we're against it. It's not because we're trying to take black history out of our schools. We're trying to take racism out of our schools, which is unfortunately what critical race theory has morphed itself into. Richard, yeah, you, you hear what the, 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 the young man is saying. He ain't saying too much about it. No, no, no. I, I agree. But mm -hmm. the things he's saying didn't come from a black ethos, a black think tank, a conscious black think tank, because he's black. Mm -hmm. It's clear that it came from some, what's the name said? He was a young conservative. 
it's clear that these messages came from white folks, be they liberal or conservative. It came from white folks. Teach, to teach black victimization that you're going to be a permanent, what, what, what are you talking about? And the thing that gets Do, me up. Go ahead. He hasn't read it. What, but wait a minute. That, but that's that's the point of what I'm saying, Richard. If he haven't read it, then where did he get all of these uh, summations from? And believe me, he got the he got the political jargon down pat. He mm-hmm. never answered the question. You notice the man kept answering him, and he uh, I yeah, he he's a politician already, and he's not a politician. And he's a consultant for a politician. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, he got it down pat. For as young as he is, he got it down pat. Which is why we should be concerned. Exactly. He has the, the language. He has the opportunity. He has the resource to be able to cultivate his skill set. Most definitely. You know, so Not only among him, among others. Right. Those so people are dangerous. Right dangerous and we need to be aware of them they're just as dangerous as, as some of these europeans with their thoughts would be they liberal or conservative they're dangerous these black operatives are dangerous i'll call them black operatives i won't say handkerchief here black mm-hmm. operatives some of these black operatives are dangerous you don't agree you don't call up and say you don't agree and say why Um, to uh, take a brief break. Listen, before we take a break, Richard, let me, let me, let me, um, let me, because there's a couple other articles I want to share with the listening audience after the break and get some of these folks on here. In fact, I'll get them on and I'll share the articles later. Um, I'm going to read just a, just a little brief things of this report. Uh, out of Congress, the economic state of black America in 2020. Just a couple of things here. Um, Because it's not like Europeans are not aware of our situation. Some blacks always want to have a teachable moment with Europeans, like you've got to make them aware of what's going on. They're totally aware. If you deal with our history, you can see that they've been aware the whole time. Whether you're talking about the, the period of Washington, you're talking about the period of Jefferson, whether you're talking about the period of Lincoln, all those times in between, all the way up to Johnson when he went to what? How, what was he at Howard University, Richard? Yeah. And spelled it out clearly. And Johnson was a segregationist before he became president. He spelled it out clearly. At, at, at the, um, and then he had that Kerner Commission go out there and do their research. They came back with summation. I mean, they clearly know the situation. So, you know, some of our people that keep wanting to waste time to inform Europeans about what's going on, you know, if they want to do that, have at it. I don't have, you know, do what you want. We can't afford, you know, we got to try to take our children moving forward. We can't afford them to, to be dealing with this thing 20, 30 years from now. But let me read a couple of things out of this report before we take a brief break. It says a report from U.S. Congress, Economic State of Black America, found that black Americans, um, excuse me, the report from U.S. Congress, Economic State of Black America, 
found that black Americans still face substantial uh, inequities. And these, these deep inequities remain, leaving millions of black Americans with few opportunities for prosperity. Black Americans do not earn as much as white Americans, are less likely to own their own homes, do not live as long. In 2017, black Americans represented 12% of the adult population, but accounted for 33% of the prison sentence, prison sentences, sentence, prison population. Black Americans are more likely to be killed by police than any other race. Uh, black men earn at least the least of any, excuse me, hold on a second. Black, black men earn the least of any ethnic group. Uh, black women predominate low wage jobs and are poorly represented in high wage jobs. More than two and a half times as many black Americans live in poverty uh, than white Americans. The poverty rate for black children is triple that for white children. And when it comes to own home, home ownership, black Americans are the lowest rate of any racial group, despite gains that have been made. Black families are especially devastated by the collapse of the housing market in 2008, where 70% were more likely to be foreclosed on. Now, that last sentence there, black Americans are, uh, have the lowest rate of any racial group despite gains that have been made. Okay, that, I mean, that, that, that sentence alone tells you something. But let me read a couple of these things that they cite. Uh, 87 cent on a dollar. Black men... Uh, make the least of any ethnic group, according to the study by pay scale. They earn 87% on every dollar made by white men and fall behind uh, Native Americans, Hispanic men who earn more, uh, even Pacific Islanders, make 95%. Cent. Uh, the typical black household earns $0.59 cent to every dollar for a white family. That adds up to a gap of $29,000 per year between white and black incomes. The gap between whites and blacks grew between 2000 and 2019. Uh, $14,000 uh, less a year. Uh, black wages are compared to white wages in contrast and stark. Uh, in low-wage jobs. Low-wage jobs are typically paid $21,700 a year compared to low-wage jobs for whites, that is $36,000 per year, a difference of $14,300 a year. So the typical low-wage black job is $21,000. The typical low-wage white job is $36,000. A year difference. The same is true for professional pay for doctors, engineers, lawyers, for example, black working full time are paid an average of $70,000 a year compared to 110 for whites in the same job. Mm-hmm. Uh, the education gap, 11,000 less education does not close the gap. Black workers with a bachelor's degree, earn $50,000 a year to white workers that earn an average of $61,000 a year. Uh, black professionals with an advanced, with advanced degrees 
are not paid at the same as their white counterparts. Dentists, doctors, lawyers, pharmacists make less. Black professionals make $81,000 compared to 115 for their white professionals in the same profession. Uh, mm-hmm. African-American men raised by two parent, two parents earning $140,000 do about as well financially as a white man coming from a single parent household with a mother making just $60,000 a year. White men fare better than black men in 99% of the neighborhoods in America. And there's uh, several others here. But, I mean, that just shows you, I mean, where this is systematic and is perpetuated by government. It's not just, uh, you know, some white guy with no teeth that want to oppress black people. This is a systematic thing. It's generational and it's systematic. We're going to take a brief break, Bridget, and uh, when we come back, we got some callers on the line. We'll get them involved. Um, we're in open forum this evening. No guests tonight, and uh, you're the guest, basically, so uh, you can get involved in the conversation. We're in open forum. I mean, you can talk about some of the things that we threw out, or you can talk about something else. Uh, you could do that by dialing 215-490-9832. Again, it's 215-490-9832. Time for an awakening. We'll be right back. For an awakening, time for an awakening with host Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at time for an awakening at gmail.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American-owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. 
becomes unruly called Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly called Dooley. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Escape the digital plantation. Abibitumi.com, Abibitumi.tv, Abibitumi.tv.com, Abibitumi.store are here for you. You are ready to be free of non-African social media. Don't run from danger. Run to safety. Abibitumi.com is here for you. You are ready to be free of digital plantations to control your own products. Abibitumi.store is here for you. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. Black Power. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. The only word you need to know to join your global Kometsu black family, to join your interconnected Kometsu black communities, escape the digital plantation now. Abibitumi.com, Abibitumi.tv, Abibitumi.tv.com, Abibitumi.store. We are here for you. Escape the digital plantation. I am an African. The death of my brother is also my death. Let me put this question to you again, because many foolish black middle classes and many foolish people who are eating well think that they can sit in America and watch this country destroy the African continents and watch this country destroy African Caribbeans and watch this country destroy Africans in Central and South America and think that these same people who destroy Africans abroad will not be the same people who will destroy them in America. There are fools in this, this country who try to claim that they are not Africans, who claim that they do not see color, as if they're not seeing color makes any difference in the world. Simply because you don't see color doesn't mean somebody does not see you as color. And that's the issue. And you think then that you can sit in this country while this same nation and these same people that you sleep with and marry and love and so forth can go out and destroy African people and not think those people do not see you as African. Even though you choose not to see yourself as African, you'd better think again. You're out of your minds and you're headed for death. You must understand that. Hide behind it. I am an American. Ladies and gentlemen, the death and destruction of black people will follow those kind of abstractions.
probably the next five or ten years will indicate whether or not the black man can survive. Our struggle for survival is a very real struggle. And the white man has prepared genocide for black people. Unemployment, the black man is no longer necessary. Unemployment is going to be a, a way of life for black people. We are going to face increasing dangers and problems as the days pass. And we're totally unequipped as black people to deal with them. We're a part of a slave culture. We have no preparation. We have no black institutions capable of dealing with white racist institutions designed to serve only white people. We must deal with the problem that confronts black people by building black institutions, by understanding that only a separate disposition is a viable position for black people. Any organization or any leader in America who today advocates integration is a foe and an enemy of black people and their survival in the coming years. In this crooked game of power politics here in America, the Negro, namely the race problem, integration, civil rights issues, are all nothing but tools used by the whites who call themselves liberals against another group of whites who call themselves conservatives, either to get into power or to retain power. Among whites here in America, the political teams are no longer divided into Democrats and Republicans. The whites who are now struggling for control of the American political throne are divided into liberal and conservative camps. The white liberals from both parties cross party lines to work together toward the same goal. And white conservatives from both parties do likewise. The white liberal differs from the white conservative only in one way. The liberal is more deceitful, more hypocritical than the conservative. Both want power, but the white liberal is the one who has perfected the art of posing as the Negro's friend and benefactor. And by winning the friendship and support of the Negro, the white liberal is able to use the Negro as a pawn or a weapon in this political football game that is constantly raging between the white liberals and the white conservatives. The American Negro is nothing but a political football. Listening to Time for an Awakening. Time for an Awakening with host Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at Time for an Awakening at gmail.com. Welcome back <clears throat> to Time for an Awakening. It's uh... 823, I'm sorry, in the city of Philadelphia on this Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening uh, Open Forum. You can get involved in the conversation uh, by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. Uh, Richard, let's, let's go to the phones. Uh, get a couple people on here. Let's go to Newport News. Newport News. Hey, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Hey, yes, sir. Hey, look, uh, I don't want to eat up a lot of time, but you hit on some things. 
and, and actually, you may not remember because you're playing so many things. But let me tell you, we actually hit on to some of these people that are involved with this uh, critical race theory. Now, the funny thing to me is I've been having a conversation with two academics about this for about five years. But the thing goes all the way back to like 2014. I've watched when the 1619 Project came out. If you remember, Robert Smith got into some financial problems shortly after that. Remember, he got called out after he'd done all that work, uh, paying out the money for the Morehouse grads. Yeah. And then he opted to pay off the debt for everybody when originally it was students. But here's what ends up happening. He owns his his charity foundation fund too. Is actually the people who provided the uh, proprietary software for the sixteen nineteen digital project. So that I believe that's why they came after him because it all got tied into Trump's seventeen seventy six program. But people kept focusing on Trump. But I knew from a conversation about four years ago that the original person they had to push that 1776 person was Robert Woodson from the Woodson Center. I put those links in the chat. You can look over. Because I've been laughing because they've also brought in people like Glenn Lowry and John McWhorter. Robert Robert Johnson's wife, who is Carol Swain. I mean, and and now they're hooked up with PragerU. Now, I've been telling the people I work with, some of them from ADOS, they're saying, I'm an old Negro, but I read a lot and I track a lot of shit. Now, I've been putting up on Twitter showing them the comments I made four, five, six years ago when I told you that you kept calling me an old fool. See, I don't mind being an old fool, but I know what I know about published articles. And I tell people, if it's a lie, I can tell you where I first found it usually. And then you blame the person <laughs> that I repeated it from because I didn't do the initial research, but I can tell you where I read the, the write-up. And these people are hardcore. Look, they even did the same thing. Remember when I was telling you that the charter school thing out of New York and and, the, and, the, and I went to Hampton University? Watch this. This going to tie in now. And I heard a 30-minute introduction from two white women introducing Nicole Hannah-Jones. One of them was talking as a spokesperson from Fund 2. The other one was from the Pulitzer Foundation. And what they said before introducing that woman is, it has been a pleasure working with you for two years to see our baby come to fruition, and now it will be in 80 schools across the nation. I'm telling you this because I sit in scripts, uh, Center at Hampton University, where I used to run around with as a high school student, and I couldn't believe that I heard these ladies saying that basically the lie that Nicole Hannah Jones talked about walking into to the New York Times and they didn't give no pushback—that's bullshit. And people get mad at me for saying it, but I'm telling you, I heard it myself. Now I'm gonna tell you what kind of Negro I am. I originally went to the people and asked them, could I get the tape? And I told them I was an advocate with AUS. The woman said, yes, fine, and everything. So it would take me two, two, it would take her two or three days. After four days, and she didn't call, I called her and she said, "Mr. Griffin, you haven't heard it from me, but they said you can't have that." And I said, "Who is they?" She said, "You would know better than I." <laughs> That's the truth. So I'm telling you, money is in this, and people are talking about whether or not it makes any sense. These white folks are doing everything they can to make sure. There's no door open to persuading other white people 
that reparations is possible. Now, I'm going to throw one other thing in. I've been studying this hard for about a week. So this is why I tell you I found something that was amusing. If you look at that video that I showed you talking about black women, a black population in uh, Bolivia, the largest black town there, talking about the African uh, uh, religions and stuff and how the system is trying to suppress them and push it away. But I heard a young black Spanish lady explain how that oppression works across the world better than anybody. And I don't heard people from in Cobra, I heard people from in pulpit, everything. You got to listen for the two. And then uh, that's it. That's in the documentary. But the one I, the part I wanted you to really get is at the 29 minute mark. They have a black guy who's in charge of race relations in Bolivia. And he came out of the slums of Rio, Rio, Rio de Janeiro. But this Negro sits and explains to you why there's no racism in this country. And this is what I'm saying to you. It, if you close your eyes, it's Larry Elder, it's uh, Jesse Peterson all over again. But the Mexican girl that explains how this works talks about all of them. Could- you, when you listen to it, if you think I'm joking, get in touch with me. I'm telling you. It shows that most people talk about, oh, it's worse over here. Than no. These are just different franchises running their operation a little bit different, but the oppression and killing of you is what it is. They say there are three times as many blacks die in Brazil as we do here in America. Can you send me that uh, the clip you're talking it's about? It's in the chat. Oh, okay, good. Good. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I'll, uh, if you can, I'm gonna put my email address in there because I, I saw some other stuff I want to send you and Richard because because of the work you do. But like I said, I'd rather just send you the resources rather than take up your time because I know you're busy. Much love, brother. Keep on doing what you're doing. Talk to you. All right. Yeah, that, that ought to be interesting to check out, Richard. I see that he put it here too. Yeah. Yeah. I'll make sure I get that off of there before we uh. Lead this evening. Let's go to 267. 267. Yes, Elliot and Richard, how are you? You did some good research here. You talked about so many things that hit different things about the same subject, but you got to talk about them separately. Like, for instance, when it comes to Sherman and what Sherman did in the South through Georgia and ended up with talking to the people about what they wanted. And that would have been nice to go on the land and work at yourself and earn it. But with, wasn't mules and acres of land also to had been allotted? I'm just going to say this to you, and I'm going to keep going. You can answer the questions later. And uh, the other thing is, is that a movie that I never looked at, that John Wayne was in it, and that's why I didn't look at it, is Remember the Alamo. So the Mexicans refused to be slaves, and they kicked their behind. That's what I liked about it about remember the Alamo because they've got their behind kicked. They refuse slavery. I like that part. So it comes to the thing about Texan, Texan, Texans, um, and the Lone Star, the hypocrisy of America and race. Well, we can't hide what white folks have done to people of color, Native Americans and the African in America and the Japanese and the Chinese. So, they don't want to hear about what they have done through their history. Then, and they they can't they didn't they hide it 
And what they do is try to rewrite it. But critically, if you if a well-trained mind or well-trained minds who want to put it on pen and paper in history books, if you're any type of scholar, take a position as a scholar and get by education, you have to tell the truth about that. That they have been evil throughout their history, from the Greco-Roman period all the way up to now. So, I mean, you know, history can repeat itself. Remind them of that. That's why they must be stopped in their hypocrisy and their killings in their race. But when it comes to Juneteenth, you bring out a whole lot of things, and people are not aware of what some of the things you're saying about it. But I think people look at the parade. They look at the gathering. And, you know, maybe they have some steam they want to get off, and they feel good about black pride like Marcus Garvey put into us. So, but to know the true history and to promote it and not know it is a bad thing. When it comes to the 1619 Project, it goes further than us being in shadow slavery, 1555, they're different dates. So you brought out a lot of things that we all should think about of what we're doing when we go out and march in the street, of what we're doing when people want to rewrite our history, and, uh, and the history of America. And why do white people feel ashamed about their history? Well, that's on them, Elliot. And we should know ours to, to uh, have a position on the direction that we should be going and writing our own history. Said a lot of things, but you can always comment and give me your position and your opinion. No, listen, I agree with what you're saying. Uh, you know, it's important for us to know. I mean, that's why we do this program. For us to right. to realize what's going on and uh, what's going on that, that might not be known or properly talked about, uh, you know, some of these things, uh, uh, brother Tim, is uh, things that they should be talking about on other black programs that might have a more of a wattage, more of a listenership that might be more popular. These things are to be talked about. Instead of wasting time talking about other things. You're right about that. Like, for instance, I saw a few people who said, oh, by the way, we've gotten so so into Juneteenth, we're going to eat velvet cake. I think they were talking about having a drink with it and eating the cake. Uh, wait a minute. And, say and that again? The flag. <laughs> I said, I've seen a few people on television that they're equating velvet cake with some of the flag and having a drink during the time of Juneteenth. So they add more things to this. You see what I'm saying? So, I mean, you can stop it in his tracks and talk about the things that are correct. Or you can go along with the program. Like they told us. And that's it. Huh? What were you saying, what were you saying uh, Richard? They told us it was about food, fun, and celebration. There you go. That's there you go. Keep it, that's what they want to keep it, keep it to. Oh, wait a minute. Who said that, Richard? When we were, you know, in Philadelphia, we... Um, we started a Juneteenth program, and, and, and that was in the 80s. And uh, we were trying to, you know, talk walking around. And um, one of the organizers of people might know that um, Penn's Landing, they had these different events. And we wanted to see how do we can incorporate our perspective of Juneteenth and the person. And we wanted to do it with history and whatever. And they told us, well, no, because we're about food, fun, and celebration. We don't want any, you know, that's um, that that isn't going to fit um, our program, and that's what you'll see with these events. And that and that and that's been a stumbling block. Mm-hmm. 
you know, because when you reach these sort of like landmarks in our experience here in this country dealing with Europeans, we don't have time for no food and fun and celebration. It's true. It's a time and place for everything. But during those events, similar to uh, Tulsa, when people was up there, we had the brother uh, Nick uh, Bazell's on here talking about people's chicken in behinds and all that stuff and how he objected to the, the narrative of a celebration. You know, those things, is that we got to talk about those experiences from reality and what happened to our ancestors and what is still happening now, even though they might not be uh, physically uh, using that same, sure, these, these police and all is out here doing something similar to what they may have been doing during that period. But that wholesale killing of our people, these these experiences need to be talked about. I don't care how white people feel about it. Oh, you you bringing up racism and all of that. They did it. Yeah, own it. Own it. And, That's and, your behavior. You own it. And remember this, Brother Elliot. They're gonna, you know, they're going to commercialize on the Juneteenth. That's the other part of it. Well, certainly. You, you, go, you pull it up on the Internet. You'll see those flags. Yeah. Those flags yeah. are being sold at all different prices all over the country. And that's something that you yeah. didn't do. You know, who's who's been here? Who's Janine Graff? They're white. Yeah. You know, that's coming. You know that. Church, coming. It's already here. Flag. Yeah. It's already here. You're talking about it's coming. It's here. Yeah. Thanks for your kind of Well, thanks for shedding light. Thanks for shedding light. Shed light. Shed light, brother. Shed light. Talk to you. Right. Let's go to 267 again. 267. Hey, good evening, uh, Elliot. Good evening, Rich. How are you, sir? Uh, how are you both? Good. All right. Hey, ben Hayes appears to be a brother out of Roxbury, but from the images I saw, he no, appears but that, to be. Yeah, that, now that's not him, though. That's a reporter. That's, not him? that's a reporter. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, that's that. that yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Say that. Hey, go, go ahead, Richard. Wait, wait. No, oh. hold on a second. Richard, I'm just saying, go ahead, you can help us because we keep running into the same. Yeah, but look, I'm telling you, being that you've been looking, I want you to look and see, you know, it's some type of uh, clandestine operation going on there. You check it out. I got you, man. Okay. But what what this shows me, and it's my attitude toward these so-called celebrations, we shouldn't be celebrating any of it. I mean, really, I, I mean, what's to celebrate that some of our people were freed, uh, which we still aren't. I mean, if you will really want to take a realistic look at what we're subject to, we're still not freed. And then you talked about, like, uh, actually, you brought up capitalism. Capitalism always has to have, I learned this in Economics 101, for capitalism to thrive. You always have to have a permanent underclass, which I knew at 18 years old was us. You know what I mean? That's your permanent poverty-stricken underclass. And then they have to be underneath the working class for capitalism even to uh, even to strive. I mean, that's the bottom line. That's what we're living under today. There's, you know, when you call, consider yourself a second-class or third-class citizen, which sometimes some of us even think of ourselves under the immigrant and the so-called gay person that we're fourth-class these days, you know, you got you to go on ahead and, and, and call a spade a spade. Were we ever free? And my answer to that is no. Okay. And just like you said, our ancestors wanted their own land. They wanted to do for self. That was freedom. 
we are not free. So we need to get our mindsets out of that garbage right now. Because anytime this system can institute masturbation, uh, telling you that there are binary sexual uh, uh, genders out there and our children are subject to it, we are not free. So we got to stop that madness about saying we are free. Let's stop that lie right there. So there's nothing to celebrate about June uh, team. That's why reparations, yes, is owed to us, but we're still not free. Only when we free and have some might in our hand can we demand some things. We got to stop playing with these things, man. And it angers me sometimes when we don't see it. Now, I just heard the, a brother from Newport News talk about Jesse Lee Peterson and um, Larry Elder and the, that, that branch. But just like Brother Malcolm said, over 50 years ago, you know, you, you forget the Democrats and Republicans. You have the conservative and the liberal, and the liberal is just as dangerous, if not more dangerous than the conservative, because he smiles and has more of our folks underneath his wing to fool you. Now, yeah, now put it this way. You got this woman now. I'm going to keep my eye on her, because that's what they're doing now. They're putting black women in charge because they know for a fact we as men will ease up on them. Uh, and then our women would question us if we're tough on them. But you got this woman called Val Dennings out of Florida. Keep your eye on her. She's going to be like this Stacey Abrams. She's going to be like that Lori Lightfoot in Chicago. She's going to be like our police commissioner. She's going to be like she, she is one of them. But we keep thinking that this is progress. It's still slavery. And until we take a realistic look at it, it's, I mean, we can kid ourselves all we want to. That brute can come in your house any day now, shoot you down, just like they did that brother in Texas. And that woman's up for a pill right now, that white police officer, that female. She's up, she, she might get a pill. You've seen the judge. You've seen that bell playing, playing in her hair while she killed this man in his own. You've seen, you've seen her, his family going there and stuff, but they forgive her. And, this, that. and you even got these people in South Carolina that uh, one woman, she, she was on the radio here, on the radio here, talking about she had to forgive Dylan Roof for killing her mother. And she's on tour. Mm-hmm. On Black Talk Radio Station. That's Come that, on, okay. man. Okay. Come on. <laughs> you, we, we celebrate June what? You know what I mean? Now, who, who, oh, now who's requiring them stations to bring people like that on, to encourage black people to forgive them, uh, to, to forgive folks for what they have done? so-called liberal exactly listen it ain't no trump carrying conservative that's telling them to do that (laughs) no the so-called liberal the so-called liberal that have our people out there painting every martin luther king day uh the the so-called liberal malcolm warned us about this and we still can't get it out of our asses we still want to talk about larry elder at least those people let you know who they are these other people they set up they don't. Well, he let you know who they are too, like that dude Warnock from Georgia. He let you know. I ain't here to. I ain't here for you or to fight for your reparations. I'm here to uh, support Israel. So come on, man. 
You know, and that's why I get so angry and I get so passionate about this thing because this is garbage. We're being fed a bunch of garbage. And, I, you know, I, when I seen this Juneteenth come, I saw here come more garbage. You know, every time we want to celebrate something. And, 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 Richard, and Richard, that's what we that's what we do as a people. We want to celebrate and eat food and eat cake and, 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 and just celebrate garbage. Celebrate Santa Claus. Celebrate the Easter Bunny. We got to stop this madness. And it starts with us to educate us. So, you know, I just had to call in. I'm, I'm going to go back on hold because your tune-in isn't working tonight. And, uh, but it, 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 you yeah, it's all, it's all, it's, it's, it's Malcolm, all. Malcolm told us about this, man. Malcolm told us, and we still don't want to listen to him, you know. It, it's so, on, it's on. Yeah, I, you know, I, I apologize for being so passionate, but I get so sick of BS that it makes me sick to my stomach. No, tune-in is on. And it's. Huh? Tune is but it's, Tune it's on. back yeah. on. Yeah. Uh, it, it, what, okay. what I want to mention, if you notice, you notice the, uh, uh, Val Demings is kind of really being pushed out there. And if you've yep. been if you've been following, the, and I'm not no political follower, but if you've been following these things, they pushed her to the forefront because the person that they had in line to be in the forefront was caught doing opioids and getting sodomized by two white men in a hotel room. <laughs> So he didn't lost his luster and everything else. That's Gilliam. He was the new Obama, but when he was doing opioids and getting sodomized, he he's out now. Val Demings is the one they're pushing up there. So listen, yep. their playbook has not changed, and it don't change. Was she a police officer? Yeah, she was, she was a former yeah, cop. She was a police chief. Yep, in Orlando. So. You know, this thing, this thing, it's the same playbook, and we don't see through it yet. Well, um, I think people know. see through it, but some of the ones that are up front or out front, they have a reason for not wanting, putting a lot of information out and putting other misinformation out. They, like you said, some of the liberals, these liberals is getting these black folks to do it. They want to control the narrative. Nope. Malcolm said that we almost like a political football. Both of them is doing it for power. And we put them first, and what they do? <laughs> we put them first. Biden, Biden said, "Wait for me. Wait, wait, just wait. I'll get to y'all. You know what I mean? I'll get to you. Just wait. You know, we put them first, and they put us. You know, so uh, you know, I, I, I just continue to see the same garbage year after year after year. Hopefully, our young folks see through our misdeeds and wake up." quicker because this thing it's got to hit it's got to come to a head sooner or later and this critical race there i'm starting to see a lot of this stuff you know let's just put it this way this man's history has been nothing but propaganda warfare on free thinking people for years or at least since i've been born because i can only speak from from my experience so you know, I just had to call in, man. I'm going to go back on hold, enjoying the program, enjoying the uh, callers, and I'm going to go back on hold. Thanks for your contribution. Let's go to uh, 404, 404. Oops. 404. Hey, how y'all hear me? Y'all hear me? Yes, y'all sir. Hear me? Yes, sir. Yes, sir, man. I agree with all the callers, man, but uh, I'm going to give y'all some history, day story, 
okay? Because uh, I, I make, when I talk, I make it, uh, well, fucking fifth grader can understand it. So people think they're smarter than a fifth grader, but here it is. Y'all familiar with that? This could be, uh, uh, they're trying to hide all the history, man, because they know it's time for them to pay up reciprocity and retribution, i.e. reparations. So I give you a perfect example of what they hid. Y'all familiar with the, uh, the so-called last save ship called Clotilda? Y'all familiar with that? Uh, yeah, yeah, I've heard about it before. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Okay, when they that when slavery was supposed to be outlawed, I think in eighteen uh, ten or something in the United States, this one dude said he wanted to get him one more cargo, and the ship was called the Clotilda. So when they when they brought out the free, I mean uh, the captives over here, our ancestors, they what well, they set the ship on fire to try to hide the evidence, man, and that's in Mobile, Alabama. See, everything y'all talking about is down south, man. It's a whole conversation. So y'all know what time it is. So they tried to hide the damn uh, the evidence, burn the ship, all right? So but when the truth come out, they found the ship. And it's the devil, that, that financing name, Mayor, M-E-A-H-E-R, okay? And he had a damn like, uh, wood processing where they chopped trees down and used our ancestors. And that, that devil made $36 million. It was just on 60 Minutes, man. Third, that family made $36 million. And, and offered them uh, slaves they brought over him. And then, check this out, then when they, uh, after the slave was over, the slaves had something called Free Tower, Africa Tower. So the devils had built a, a, a expressway, that's probably I-85, through that town, they split that town up, and they got a factory uh, 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 polluting the town. They'll split them up, and there it go again. That's how they do keep hiding stuff and doing stuff, man. They devils, but the truth coming out, man. And so, but the male family, Every time they try to contact them, nobody in that family want to talk to them. Well, they made $36 million off, off our ancestors, okay? And then you fast forward to a lady named, I want you to look her up, Corinne Brown. Okay, she, she, she admitted, she testified in front of the Congress that her family owned slaves up north. They had 50-something, uh, just look up Corinne Brown, testify in front of Congress about what her family did to our ancestors. Okay, that's what, that's your homework, you and Richard. So you can play what she said in front of Congress, man. This one white lady told the truth about what her family did, but it's up to us to go further and make them give up our, answer, uh, our reparations. Because it's all about knowing they're trying to pay us reparations. They don't want the truth to come out. I give y'all another truth story. That damn devil, George Washington, y'all know that the last time he had wooden teeth. No, hell no. He took some old black men and took their teeth out, broke their damn jaw, and took their teeth out and put it in some made some false teeth. That's that's what they don't want y'all want us to talk about. Okay? Well George Washington and the rest of them devils did, man. But uh, 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 on a on a good note, man, y'all familiar with a dude in Philadelphia called Stevie Williams? Stevie Williams Stephen Smith. Stevie Williams. That's an African black name. Stevie Williams. Not Stevie Wonder, Stevie Williams. This young brother from Philadelphia, I'm surprised y'all ain't never heard of him, man. I just saw a special on him today. Okay, 1995, he he wanted to do skateboarding. He loved skateboarding so much. The brother was, that's his gift. So what he did, bro, he did do bad, man. He Look up Stevie Williams. He, Stevie Williams, he got a brand called uh, DK, no, DGK, Dirty. Ghetto kids. That's what they call them. In Philadelphia, that little park y'all talk about. See, I, I study history. I was y'all and everybody else. 
okay? It's called Love Park, where my man was at. Y'all know that park at? You know that park at, Richard? Love Park? Yeah. We know where it's at. Okay, well, this dude, Stevie Williams, man, look him up. Now, he's a bad dude. He took the the the, the, the skateboard is, is major, uh, like a sport where they get uh, 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 sponsors, right? And they make their money off the sponsors and stuff they sell. Well, this dude, Stevie Williams, a black dude, man. He's from Philadelphia. Then he moved to West Philadelphia. And, and me and this brother, Brad, he got his own brand. Look up. D, uh, uh, what I say, uh, 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 DKG, Dirty Ghetto Kids, man. That's his brand. He's a bad brother, man. And he, he hijacked all the way to Frisco. This dude, a bad dude, man. So, what I'm saying is, man, hey, bro, and what y'all talk about, everything happening down south. So y'all need to bring y'all ass on down here, man. The more people come down here, the better. Get the hell out of that Philadelphia. It's too cold up there. That's dope. Come on down here, Richard. We need y'all. We need all soldiers, all hands on deck down here, man. But anyway, I'm going to leave it like that. And, uh, oh, yeah, my man, uh, uh, Vernon Jones, I know y'all heard play something about him, too. But uh, to my man Timothy, man. <laughs> He he like one of us, Timothy, but he he trying he he on the other side, but he trying to do something, man. So it's all tentacles, man. It's all I run for blacks to be everywhere, man. You be conservative, uh 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 what's the other word? Yeah, just be everywhere, man. It's time for us to be everywhere, all right. But uh, like you say, they, them sellouts, man. Talking about them, they they trying to work for the oppressor. Don't want this critical rest theory to come out, but it's coming out, man. They can't hide the truth, man. I'm gonna leave it like that. I love y'all. Stay strong, stay black. And I know I want to hear some women call in, man, so, so they can add some uh, feminine their, uh, energy to the show. I hope they're online. Appreciate Talk, talk to you. Take care. before we take a break, um, and then we got uh, still a few callers left. Um, if you remember the uh, that last stimulus that was passed, um, when Biden came in there, that one point, uh, I think it was a trillion dollars or something like that, $1.9 trillion stimulus. It was money allocated in there for black farmers. Now, if you remember during the Obama administration, that $1.5 billion lawsuit was to settle that discrimination that was instituted against black farmers. And I've been in contact with farmers over the years that said that they, you know, it was never about $50,000, and, and a lot of the farmers didn't even get any of that money. A lot of the lawyers took it. But it wasn't about $50,000. They said won't even buy them a tractor. But it was about, uh, you know, uh, that land loss, debt relief, and things of that, uh, you know, other things. It was in relation to that. Some of the farmers have been on it. It's a farmer's program on Wednesday. But now that stimulus that was passed, uh, couple of months ago let me read and see that this just shows you the like malcolm said a political football or or game being played by liberals and conservatives and you the one that's left holding an empty bag now let me read a couple of these brief articles here to kind of show you what we're dealing with if if folks if some folks don't know uh this is from May 19th now. Uh, the title of the article, the published report, was Banks Fight Black Farmers Relief at Washington. 
that Dateline Washington. The Biden administration's efforts to provide $4 billion in debt relief to black farmers is encountering stiff resistance from banks, which are complaining that the government's initiative to pay off the loans of farmers who have faced decades of financial discrimination will cut into their profits and hurt investors. The debt relief was approved as a part of the $1.9 trillion stimulus package that Congress passed in March and was intended to make amends for discrimination that blacks farmers have faced from lenders. Um, excuse me, uh, lost my place. Faced from lenders and the United States Department of Agriculture over the years, but no money has yet gone out the door. Instead, the program has become mired in controversy and lawsuits. In April, white farmers who claim they have they are victims of reverse discrimination sued the USDA and federal government over the initiative. Now, three of the biggest banks, the Bank of America, uh, the Independent Community Bankers of America, and the National Rural Lenders Association, all are waging their own fight and complaining about the cost of being uh, repaid early. Their arguments stem from the way banks make money from loans and how they decide where to extend credit. When banks lend money to borrowers, like a farmer, it considers several factors, including how much interest it will earn over the lifetime of a loan and whether the banks can sell their loans to other investors. By allowing borrowers to repay their debt early, the lenders are being denied income they have expected, they argue. The banks want the federal government to pay the money beyond the outstanding loan amount so banks and investors will not miss out on interest income that they are expecting on money that they have made uh, by reselling the loans to other investors. Bank lobbyists and letters and virtual meetings have been asking Department of Agriculture to make changes. They are pressing the USA to simplify, uh, to make, uh, to simply make the loan payments rather than wipe out the debt all at once. Uh, they are warning of other repercussions, including long-term damage to USDA minority lending programs. In a letter last month to Tom Vilsack, the agriculture secretary, the bank suggested that they might uh, be more reluctant to extend credit to black farmers if the loans are repaid quickly, leaving minority farmers worse off in the long run. The initiation was viewed as a threat by some of the organizations who represent black farmers. You see this in nine against Richard. Mm-hmm. Now, here we go. Then that was from May. This is June 11th published report. Judge Holtz, uh, Congress initiative of black farmers on suit based by other white farmers in the months since Congress concluded, included uh, around 4 billion in the latest stimulus to forgive loans for black farmers. Thousands have been pushing uh, to finally see the money. The Department of Agriculture Department of Agriculture promised to start payments this month, but now the relief is again on hold thanks to a lawsuit brought by conservative groups and, and white farmers who argue the program is unconstitutional because it discriminates against them. So on mm-hmm. Thursday, the federal judge sided with the plaintiffs and issued a restraining order on the programs. You see, you see what I'm talking about? Oh, we're going to give you this. Oh, you're not going to get it. See, these games have been played. These historical games. We just talked about that uh, 
issue down in Galveston after they talk with our ancestors in in uh, in Georgia. These these historical games that's being played by these people, and we're the only ones left holding the bag on a treadmill. Your feet is moving fast, but you ain't going nowhere. And some of the operatives get paid. They live well, but the majority of the people don't have nothing. Just like I read all that stuff from this report from Congress about what's going on financially and systematically against blacks here. Because of all the gains they made, they're still in the same spot and maybe worse. You know, the thing that comes out to me, jumped out to me as you was going through that, is that imagine that the same, you remember when there was talk during the campaign about um, student debt relief, mm-hmm. um, wiping away student debt as a way to deal with the conditions of students that have been so leveraged in debt. Well, the banks would have the same argument. They didn't already. They didn't already figured out the re, the interest that they accumulated. They didn't already sold in, in securities the the debt that the student owed. So they they saying if you wipe it out at the cost of it, then that money which they'd already factored in to sell to somebody else, they would have lost out on. It. <laughs> so you know that you ain't hear no more about student debt being. Uh, I know it. And you ain't going to hear no more about this either. These banks didn't went. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's just interesting that, you you know, the correlation is the same. These banks then went to the government. Now, notice it said white farmers and the other and their lobbyist groups, banks and everybody. See, that this stuff is systematic. White farmers going to get their loans. They're going to be able to keep their farms going. It's you. That's going to lose your places. Like we had the farmers on. Remember the chicken, uh, mm-hmm. the thing right. that they had against these chicken, uh, discriminating against our farmers? Farmers talking about the land that they had that they want to pass down to their children lost their farms. It'll make you want to cry hearing those men on here talking about it. I'm surprised a lot of them didn't get guns and go on in places and un- just unload on some of them people. You know, after they take your land from the, the nefarious means, just take your stuff. And a lot of the people up here in these northern areas don't know nothing about what's going on when they should be. This stuff should be information given to our people. But it's too much junk. These media companies keeps too much junk in these urban areas. All kind of giggling, laughing, satire, Steve Harvey and, and, and his ilk and all them other people with all types of giggling, laughing and, and just Amos and Andy stuff all the time, six days a week. Or trying to create uh, a situation where they can get paid through advertising, complaining about how they advertise, they ain't getting advertising dollars, <laughs> and just bringing up issues that relate to that. Let's take a brief break. When we come back, we'll uh, go to these callers and uh, and uh, kind of. Well, let's see. Let's uh, let's take a brief break. When we come back, we've got calls online. We'll get to them. Time for an awakening. We'll be right back.
You are listening to Time for an Awakening. Time for an Awakening. With host, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media. Part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American-owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 2444 that number is 215-885-2444 215-885-2444 all insurance incorporated RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Escape the digital plantation. Abibitumi.com, abibitumi.tv, abibitumi.tv.com, abibitumi.store are here for you. You are ready to be free of non-African social media. Don't run from danger, run to safety. Abibitumi.com is here for you. You are ready to be free of digital plantations to control your own products. Abibitumi.store is here for you. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I, Black Power, A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. The only word you need to know to join your global Commit to You Black family, to join your interconnected Commit to You Black communities, escape the digital plantation now. Abibitumi.com, abibitumi.tv, abibitumi.tv.com, abibitumi.store. We are here for you. Escape the digital plantation. that this problem needs to be solved and we can't keep relegating it to generation after generation because a few of us got a little money, a few of us got positions, a few of us have wealth while the masses of our people are going steadily down. No one man can rise above the condition of his people. The brother said responsibility. Is it, is it that we should let them take responsibility to do for us? Or should we pool the knowledge that's at the table, the power that's in our community, the wealth that's in our community to change the harsh reality of black life in America? We have 
to do the job of fulfilling the black agenda. Thank you. message to the black man because the black man today is a man who has been made now almost into a laughing stock nobody takes the black man serious we're just used to be somebody's tool we are the sportsmen we're the singers and the dancers and we're also labeled as the pimps and the criminals and the drug dealers, and the killers, and the vagabonds of society. We're the bogeymen of British society and other Western systems. And we want to dispel that lie and destroy those myths and put the black man back on the map where we belong. Who is the black man? The black man is the original man. If it wasn't for the black man, no other men could be on this planet. We are the fathers of humanity. We gave birth to all of you. Today, Reverend, you can't do nothing for me. See, that's what we gotta be careful of. We gotta be careful of who we bow down to. But see, when you get in your congregation and you talk this Jesus, this powerful Jesus that's sitting at the right hand of the Father with all power in his hand, then you go with your hat in your hand to the governor, to the mayor, to the president, begging for some crumbs. You have sold your God cheap. And you make the white man downtown disrespect all of us. Time for an Awakening is a proud part of the Black Talk Radio Network, the number one independent black digital and podcasting platform. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. It's 
here in the Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. We're in the open forum this evening. Uh, anything that's on your mind, you can give us a call on the time we have left. And you can do that by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. I'm going right back to the phones, Richard. Let's go to 626. 626, uh, six, six, I'm sorry. Yeah, what's, what's going on, uh, Richard and Elliot? I, I love the way you uh, you bash me after I get off the phone Friday. But, you know, it's all good, brother. Listen, number one. Um, in regards to C.J. Pearson in his um, interview with Mark Lamont Hill, the boy never read nothing on critical race theory, nor is critical race theory being taught in schools. That's a bunch of BS that is being used, like I said Friday, for propaganda for white folks to have something to use their Republican talking point. So anybody that's entertaining that information is a fool. And you just being toyed with and played with like most things white people do when they deal with us. Now, I have a question for both you and Richard. I know y'all are components of reparations and I know y'all feel deeply pained by what happened in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and that. My question to you is this. Can you name me some place in the last 20 years that has been able to replicate Tulsa, Oklahoma by black folks? No. No. Richard, uh, no, I no, and that's on years. No, I, no, I can't. I think um, we have interviewed a brother from Seattle. Excuse me, I didn't hear you speak a little louder. The, the brother from Seattle that's working on it, but to to the degree, yeah, to, to, not to that degree, no. Yeah, but I, I um, operating, um, you know, whether it be a block, two blocks economic and social economic infrastructure um if there is i haven't seen yeah but this is the thing when y'all criticize me because of my critique of the so-called allyship and races coming together in this country and how black folks are constantly getting the foot they behind every other community is doing it Every other ethnic community in this country is doing it. So the question now becomes, why ain't black folks doing it? And the question becomes like one of your um, info commercials or commercials that you ran earlier was talking about it. We trying to integrate with this devil. Well, 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 wait a minute. Well, let me help you because I'll give you one. No, you can't help me on this. You you asking me a question, ain't you? You asked why wasn't black folks doing it? Did you ask that question? Yeah, but did you, you wait a minute? Did you, you ask the question? Yeah, I did. Well, okay. okay well, I'm going to help you on this. I want to give you an answer. One of the reasons why black folks is, is not doing that to that degree, you got black folks that's trying. That and you mentioned other nationalities. See, you, you if you don't know, including white, if you don't know. These are the people that have businesses, starting businesses, 
expanding their businesses, they don't go in there and do it with their money. Nobody's doing it with their money. They're borrowing money to start businesses, to expand businesses, to have businesses on a level beyond a mom and pop. They're going to the bank and getting money. I just read to you some stats out of Congress in 2020. That's partially true. I just read to you. That's not totally true. I just read to you some stats out of Congress, just in case you don't know. It's difficult for blacks to get money to open businesses. It's difficult. I just read to you. 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 What these banks went to Congress yeah. and the USA, USDA, and complained about giving loans to black. They said, if we got to forgive this debt to black farmers, we're going to make it difficult for them to get loans. Are you understanding what I'm reading or you just want to talk? I'm, Wait I'm, a I'm minute. Gonna, I, I want you to listen to what I'm saying. Are you understanding totally what I'm saying? The, the, the USDA, these I'm activists, hey man, listen, I'm I'm a, you're going you're gonna to get cut off again because you don't seem to understand. You keep raising the same silly point. This, these I, banks no, went, the, the three major banks went to the government and said, wait a minute, this, this stuff that you're proposing to give to black farmers, if we got to forgive this debt, we're going to make it difficult for them to get loans. They said it right out. It's already difficult for black people to get loans. And that's just, that's for a farm. I'm not even talking about to buy a house. The hell with buying a business. You can't even get a loan to get a house after time. I ain't even talking about getting a business. Hey, hey, Richard. Hey, Richard and Elliot, let me explain something to you, bro. I'm in business. I'm in business. No, no, no. I'm in business. Yeah, okay. You're in monkey business. I'm doing million dollars worth of real estate. Yeah, okay. Well, then, okay, if you're doing million dollars in real estate, if you're doing a million dollars in real estate, how come you don't know how difficult it is? You ask a silly question about why don't blacks have these businesses like Wall Street. Why would you ask a silly question like that if you're doing million dollars in business? Answer me that. Can I I answer now? Oh, I'll answer very clearly because I'm part of a group. I'm part of a group with other ethnics. I'm yeah. part of a group okay, you didn't have, you didn't answer it. The money and the credit to be able Richard, he didn't answer it. He didn't answer it. Listening audience, he didn't answer it. He's in the, he's in partnership with other ethnics, probably some Jews, probably some Jews. Please, please, please. Hey yo, hey yo, Richard, let me ask you this question. Go ahead, Richard. Go ahead, Richard. What you say? Yes, because not only did he. See the the thing, the straw man, and and it's and it's beautiful. It's, it's beautiful. It's, it may be just entertaining. It's two points, because not only did the banks go to the court, if I if I listen to the article, the banks and white farmers went to the court and said, "You doing this for black farmers is unfair." You know that that's. that's you know, this is a whole other uh, episode. But then when it wasn't just about uh, why blacks can't do it, and he being an example, he gave an example why he could be able to do it is because he's with the other F. Now, the straw man, on one hand, you're asking a question like you're posing a real question after you done gave us this, this economic 
statistics, its relationship to black on a, as a group and as individuals where they stand in relationship to white. You gave an article as it relates to the, using the legal system to prevent blacks in business, especially land-based business, product commodity building business. But then he's going to ask the question and say, well, I'm an example of how it can work. But that the example is not saying you are even, if we would have said, well, I'm in a group of black people. I know it. He said he's in a group with other ethnics. And now who knows what that means? It could be Jews. That could be Jews. And then we could see why he's getting money. See, you know, that, yeah. listen, uh, they got an old saying, you let a person talk. Well, I ain't going to say that. I get <laughs> Uh, let me let me let me let him finish his point. You want to finish hey, your hey, point? Hey, you in the group I, with other ethnics? Finish your hey, point. Hey, I'll tell you. Finish I your point. No problem telling you. See, that's the difference. Finish your you point. Let me tell you. I'll tell you. I'm in a group with Indians. Come on, you don't have to tell me the other ethnics you in the group with. Some of your white your white allies. Finish your point. And calling me a straw man, I'm gonna tell you the group that I'm associated with: Indian, Latino, white. Yeah, I know. Black. I know they. I know they was okay. in there. I know now, they was in let there. Me, let me let me address your point. And I can imagine the blacks the that's in there. But go ahead. Is, the problem. The problem is this. This is what happens. You have a bank that says they're not gonna loan. They're not gonna loan to black people. You have an ethnic group, whites, who say that they're going to sue the government. They're not suing black people. They're holding it up by suing the government. Now, let's go to solution. The solution is that black people need to come together collective and target the bank that is saying that they're not going to lend to black people and take all their money out the bank. See, because once you start taking your money out the bank, then the equation changes. You see, but we don't do that as a people. See, we don't do that. Now when you have the government saying, can I just finish the point? Now when you have the government not backing you, the attorney general and the rest and the government saying that, no, we're going to stand by giving these black people these loans because of A, B, and C, then your option is to not give them your vote. See, we don't do that. We look for white folks to always give us something, and when they don't give us something, we accept it. No, take your money out the bank and figure out other ways on how to deal with that bank to put the pressure on them so they back off. But see, we don't do that. Well, listen, it's nothing wrong. Go ahead, Richard. You can't tell me when we have done it. Go ahead, Richard. That's why we're in the condition we're in. Go ahead. Uh, Okay, all right. Uh, Okay. Go ahead, Richard. I I, I would see the thing that the the challenge I have with what your your solution provides is that you're, you're saying that blacks have enough liquid income in banks to really be um, provide leverage against banks. And and I would say, I mean, looking at, and I might have been looking at old numbers, and Elliot just uh, provided 2020 numbers, that we don't have in wealth, in liquid, in, in 
in solid wealth or even in liquid liquid wealth enough as a group and 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 to the core of your challenge i would agree the question because the core of your challenge is to the core of how organized we are as a national ethnic group i would agree we're not that organized just relationship wise but if you're going to say if the solution is how much wealth and those two have to work together because you have to be in an organized effort and then be able to say we're going to do this in a coordinated fashion but if you don't have the for banks if you don't have that kind of wealth in those banks what Bro, you be talking about black people economic spending is bigger than most countries. What are you talking about? Well, you, uh, Richard, let me say, let me say something in reference to that because if you notice, he asked a question at the beginning and then changed the argument like he usually does, and he mentioned, "Hey, listen, man, you're not going to talk over me." Now oh. I let when people are on here, I let them talk. Believe me, and on other programs, you don't talk like this. I let you talk. But you're not going to talk over me. I just want to get that straight. Now, you mentioned, you, you said something in the beginning and then changed your argument later on about solutions, how blacks can force these banks to do something. And I don't have no problem with the solution you gave. But the argument you gave in the beginning is why other ethnic groups can't do it and black, uh, other ethnic groups can do it and blacks can't. And then turn around and say, and then turn around and say that you're in a group with whites and other people probably but predominantly oh, white if they go into the bank and you're doing million dollar business most of them is white so that's no, your solution no, 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 no. hey no, listen me, i'm not gonna let you're not gonna talk over me you're not gonna talk over me you in you in these uh, other other blacks other people ain't gonna do what you doing join some damn group with whites now the suggestion you gave about forcing these people see we live in a capitalist system and these whites don't want to lose a dollar out of their bank so i do agree that putting pressure taking your money out of these damn institutions is a good suggestion and you could probably force them to do a lot of things by doing that but see in in initiatives like that you need leadership to not only tell the people and give the people these facts and figures but you need leadership sometimes to encourage your people to do things. These leadership or these current leaderships that these white folks have cultivated, either liberals or conservatives, these black liberals and conservative leadership faces is not going to encourage black people to do that by and large. They're not. They're not. Who fault is that? They're not. Who fault is that? It ultimately comes down to our fault. Because okay, we give these so, people their vote. So, but keep, so in, but keep in mind, but keep in mind when you asked your initial question about why blacks can't do this and then turn around and say, I'm doing million dollar business because I'm involved with whites. That has nothing to no, do. That has nothing to do. Wait a minute. That has nothing to do with the majority of our people that want to go into business and can't. I just want you to understand yes, that does. clearly. No, let's let's be clear on this. See, the one thing that black folks don't understand. The black folks understand all of this stuff. Can Can I just finish the point? The one thing black folks don't understand, I repeat, is we don't know how to come together 
collectives may and do business with one another to the point to where we identify as a group. See, what other ethnic groups do is they come together as a group and identify as one and try to be in association with which well you know you know why some of us you know why some of us wait a minute listen listen. you know why some of us can't identify as one because of the silly narrative that you put out sometime on this program when you try to bash people from haiti from jamaica and from africa and all that old foolish that's why we can't identify as one certainly i agree that if we identify as one we can put pressure on all of these europeans so stop going back and forth with silly narratives because you'll turn around a couple of weeks from now and talk stupid about some of the people that you're saying we don't identify as one with. You're absolutely right. Some of these identify these Asians, whether they're from China, Japan, Vietnamese, they all go as Asians. But I hear silly narratives from you, especially when you when you talk about people from the islands, from Jamaica, from Haiti, and these other people from Africa, these other people coming in here. Don't talk silly. Certainly, if we identify as one, that's a key. But just keep in mind, you don't advocate that. Now, you got one minute to finish your thought because there's other people on here. I do not, I do not identify on that level with associates of Haitians and other ethnic groups as allies to black people. Yeah, I know you don't. That's what I just said. You won't even give me the right. Come on, you've been talking for ten minutes. One minute. One minute. One minute. The clock is going. You have none of these. You have none of these ethnic groups doing business on the level that they should be with indigenous African people who are enslaved here. That's my issue. That's why I make those so-called silly statements because I know that they collectively work with one another but they don't work with enslaved Africans who in this country are trying to move forward. They're not allies. And that's what you don't get. Okay. Thanks. And, and thanks for your contribution, man. We can't do nothing with each other okay. on that level because yeah. they don't respect us. Yeah. Thanks for your contribution. And by the yeah, way, before you, day, before you leave, keep on working with them whites. <laughs> Let's go to McKinley, Texas, Texas. Texas, are you there? Four six nine. Let's put them back on hold. Let's go to two one five. Before we go to two one five, let's go to Oberlin, Ohio. Oberlin. Hey, what's up, man? Hey. Hey, man. Um, hey, you hear about that uh, that six year old boy that got shot by uh, that Vietnamese dude? I did hear it. Yes, we talked about it briefly yeah. Friday, but I didn't uh, really get the details of it. I mean, I mean, I just, I just, you know, saw a, a video clip on it. I guess you know, what I'm saying kids was playing in the yard, dude went buck wild and you know shot through the window. Little boy, you know, what I'm saying got hit. I mean, I look. I mean, this is my thing. I mean, I want to tie this in with like the whole like critical race theory and like why I think it's a big hubbub, right? I just think that you know. From from me being black in this country, knowing the multitudes and seeing how how there's so many people of various places, like, you know, it's hard to try to like, it's it's not easy, you know, to try to just 
focus your energy to maintain, you know, your own people. When you're, if you happen to be in a work environment to try not to like, you know, be coarse and, and be, be, you know, callous towards your own people in the midst of, you know, everyday business and all that. You know, I, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, one thing that's one thing that I, I, I think that, um, you know, a lot of white people that would say that, you know, what we're immigrants and we didn't have anything to do with slavery. Right. You know, a lot of, a lot of people came into this country, you know, right after a civil war, like you, if you were an immigrant and you came to this country in the 18th, in the 1870s, 1880s, you came, you came into a civil war. So, you know, why you came here, you came here to try to like, you know, rebuild and in the, in the, get some business going. You know, I, you know, they, 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 they country kind of banged up. I can go in there with, you know, other people, you know, make a dollar. And it's like, there's no grace on the black people who's already here. That's, that's the thing about saying that, you know, well, I'm an immigrant, you know, that in the, the whole civil war and slavery didn't have nothing to do with me. You know, a uh, 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 Jim Crow, black codes, you know, redlining while, you know, immigrants coming through in, you know, 1910, you know, the race riots, Tulsa. Oh, but you came in, your peoples came in the 1900s and some of your peoples involved in, 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 in harming black people. This, these are realities, you know? Yes. And so the argument that, you know, white folks who are immigrants, nah, 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 you were here and you engaged, you was not just working and in fact a lot of the violence against black people was caused by working class people just just because black people you're not giving grace to black people we got to be bottomed you know and continue to reinforce you know the black underclass if we can't be slaves well we certainly got to be you know on someone's job you know you know i mean and like you know i mean i don't know i just i know that I get that, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I know I know my own sense of history about peoples. When peoples tell me where they're from, I can understand where they're coming from. I can understand their history, what they was going through. You know, the more that they say, oh, I came around such and such time. Well, you got peoples. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I can piece through, you know, a lot of this stuff because I don't need necessarily for me to sit here and be like, you know, I'm inferior. I get the gist of why some people don't like the critical race theory, but they going overboard. They and they twisting it to say, you know, you know, you know, again to go against the whole slavery argument. They're saying that like, well, you really don't need to talk about slavery or you know, you know, anything, you know, before the Civil War, you know, in that this country was just of God and in 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 manifesting it. You see what I'm trying to get at? I mean. I just, I just, I just know that, like, you know, I, I know where people's come from. You got to study your own history to fill in those gaps of everything in Africa and every. I, I call it total world history. I want to know everything about everybody. That way, I can see how, how, how when they bring momentum about an argument, well, what, 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 your peoples, huh? And what your people is doing, you know? There's a lot of great areas with black. I mean, there's black conquistadors fighting for Spain. You know, all up in the Americas and stuff. But then again, a lot of those people broke off and became maroons and pirates. Trying to look, just saying, I'm done with it. I'm gonna do my own thing. There's, I mean, there's a lot of history where like black people have more agency than white folks are gonna give us. But at the same time, it's like 
I know not to blame whitey. I know better than that. But I get that white folks, if you happen to be white, chances are you really not moving in a way that might create more ambience in the general sense. I mean, frankly, black folks need attention. We need financial uh, 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 healing. We need we need guap. We need our pockets right because of redlining, because of because of uh, 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 you know the welfare industrial complex and all that. The so-called great society, which was not great for black people in the slightest. Thanks for your contribution, brother. Oh, can I add one more thing? Yeah. I mean, in the midst of all this, we got UFOs out there, right? Look, look if E.T. out there, look, if you're not pro-black, then, you know, E.T. can go to hell. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's all I got to say. <laughs> hey, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> like, look. Uh-huh. <laughs> E.T.'s got to get right. <laughs> <laughs> if they're going to be immigrants, they got to get right. <laughs> right with the program, uh, Sean. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Richard. Before we go to our last call, I mean, the, uh, call over here. Um, you know, Sean raised a, a, a point there that I thought about when he talked about you know our people and, and our struggle here. You know, when we talked about that um, flag that uh, the the uh, European was involved in creating the, Europe, the Juneteenth flag and said that blacks were Americans. Um, everybody knows the 40 acres and the mule thing. And a lot of blacks didn't get no 40 acres. Right? And some guy ain't got it turned away. Yeah, exactly. Now, under the Homestead Act, which was Lincoln in 1862, now keep in mind that 40 acres came later at the settlement of the Civil War. Right? Right. In 1862, that Homestead Act that was granted to, quote-unquote, Americans, but they were European, issued 160 acres to each uh, European that was an American or wannabe American. That's why a lot of them ran from Europe over here, because they were telling them, if you come here, you can get 160 acres of land, as long as you're 21 in the head of household. That's white. You didn't even get, you supposed to be Americans, according to some of these whites, liberal whites. You didn't even get half. You didn't even get 80 acres. 80 acres is half of 160. You supposedly got 40 acres and didn't get that. Europeans were granted 160 acres of land as long as they worked the land and paid a small registration fee under the Homestead Act of 1862. Americans got it. Supposedly Americans. It wasn't you. It wasn't you. So that's what I'm saying. We got this this old silly narrative. I don't care who it is. Conservative whites, oh, 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 um, 18, 19, 1619 Act or CT, uh, 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 critical race theory. If they ain't dealing with the reality of the situation that our people have faced, and are still facing since they've been here, then they blowing smoke. It's up to us to correct this stuff, to teach our children to correct history, and to arm our children with the struggle they're facing, period. And, and, I, and I agree, I agree, you know, 2,000%, 10,000%. And I just offer this as we looking looking at this, because I know that we, um, our language, when we look at history, we're looking at what they also give us, right? that the the question of 
it's the external things like skin color or or emotional whether it's emotional but when we get down to and you you keep bringing this up and um you know every you know to a degree those who are looking at it and what the even if whether they use it or not the critical race is what happens when they're at the level this separation is at the level of law and policy and policy is law yes it's made by people but they put in law. We're watching laws. What happens when the foundation is not that somebody just don't like you today? They may like you tomorrow. But what happens when the law is in, in, ingrained in, the, in each state, in the federal statute, in judicial statutes, and the people have to supposedly adhere to the law that's in there? And in the law, there's a separation between what whites have privilege to and what blacks don't have privilege to. What happens about that? Because even blacks, if they're going to adhere to the law, don't they have to adhere to the law that says that their whites have privilege to and blacks don't have privilege to? Don't they have to still adhere to that? Even though they sit in that seat, they got to go by the law. This country's laws are based off of holding some down, a particular group, in a particular an inferior status and another group in a superior status that has nothing to do with our, our whether we like each other and that means you have to organize differently and be aware differently of how the law works to some advantages and other advantage and others disadvantage and i think that we 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 have to really continue to understand that that's the basis of the struggle in this society. It's not just whether immigrants is groups, it's whether the, the people who are who created the laws and the ones who are maintaining the laws maintain a certain class relationship that's called the American system. I just let's say let's uh let's go to two one five. Two one five. Good evening, Brother Ellen, Brother Richards. Spirited conversation, Brother Ellen Rich and Brother Richard, to say the least. Spirited conversation. I'll try to get all this in. First, Brother Elliot, um, when, uh, when, when, when Brother um, Ralph was talking about the, the, our people being free, I don't know if Brother Richard was aware of the fact, you know, the young lady that, I think her name was Sister Gorman, uh, Annette Gorman, or Anita Gorman. I, forgot. I knew her last name was Gorman. She was the one that did the poetry at Joe Biden's inauguration. Yeah. I, well, I don't know if you and Richard had heard, but this guy just go back with Brother Ralph said about free. She got she was followed home by a, a white security guard. I forgot where she was coming from, and, she, and, and he followed her. He followed her all the way to her house, and, and she and, and he he told her she he told her that he didn't believe that she lived in her house. Which so I guess where she lived must be a nice area. I guess I don't know. Anyway, she had to show this devil ID to prove that she lived there. I said, oh, you got to be kidding. I mean, you know, you, you can't make this stuff up, man. I mean, I'm like, oh, you got to be careful. I, I, I mean, it's a rhetorical question, obviously, you know. I mean, these people, man. I, first of all, I told that sucker, I ain't got to show you a damn thing. You know, just like that, remember that brother, I think you played the clip, Elliot, with that brother at the hotel, the jazz singer that time, when, he, when, the, when the white lady tried to tell, wanted to show, show his, his idea, and the brother said, my son don't have to show you nothing. Who are you? You know what I mean? I mean, these white folks, man, these Europeans are something else, man. Now they, oh man, it just, it just never ceases to amaze about these people. But you know, 
when when Jay was talking about has anybody replicated Tulsa, Oklahoma? I guess, Brother Elliot, and stuff, if you look at history for what it is and, and you want to put a narrative, the closest thing that came to replicating that, and I think it would be even so far ahead were it not for the sun. I'm talking about the nation of Islam. In this heyday, Elliot and Richard, as you know, in the late 60s, early 70s, mid-70s, the nation of Islam had farmland all over America, and they had Muhammad University of Islam, and they had uh, you know Muhammad stakes and takes all over the country. But his, but his son, Wafdi Muhammad, who was always against his father's teachings and stuff like that, he destroyed everything. And that's what that's what the ministers trying to rebuild now. If you, if you notice, Brother Elliot, and you are a, a, a Shastrava and reader the Final Call, you notice you've been saying articles over the last month with members of the Nation of Islam, and not just members of the Nation of Islam, but they've been joining with other people, other just regular rank and file black folks to buy land. You know, they've been buying farmland and, and land and all over the country to try to be, be, you know, reciprocate what happened with Tulsa and, and the Nation of Islam in its heyday. So, they, so, so we're on that track now and stuff to try to, you know, get, that, get back to that glory days where we have farmland to be able to feed our people and to be able to have, uh, you know, uh, block by blocks and communities, you know, build up housing where our people are living nice, affordable housing and things like that. So I just you know, wanted to make you and Richard aware of that, okay, Elliot? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. and uh and uh it, it's just so much going on man and, you know and and, 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 and I'm being tongue in cheek when I say this brother Elliot when, 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 about the the how the, when you're telling Richard and, and the callers about how the black farmers being being once again putting uh put on hold because of white biggest white people crying the blues and stuff like they always do and they get their uh, uh, black operatives or handkerchief heads, whatever you want to just call them, these Negroes that, 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 that sell our people out and stuff, and have black farmers once again been held up. Well, if, 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 I, I could be facetious, Ellen Richard, and say, well, Joe Biden can can help the black farmers out of his own pocket. On, I, I saw a public report, Ellen, because you like to do the public reports on time for the wake in LA, and that and it's a beautiful public report you do because you always come up with good information when you park when you, when you stuff on the on those public reports that you get off the wire or where, where you know wherever you get them from. And Joe Biden and his wife Jill, when he left office in 2017 after after the after Obama left office, they said Joe Biden and the public report him and his wife Jill made in excess of over 15 million dollars. You know, again, no shock there because you see how these. Presidential, when they leave the office, how they always, you see, with the Obamas, they just bought a, what, an $8 million mansion right outside of suburban Chicago. So you see how these people fare when they leave office. The Clintons, they loaded. So I'm saying to myself, if one want to be facetious, well, hell, Joe Biden just go into his own uh, a checkbook and, and get a black farmer some money. He ain't, ain't got to give him a loan, he can just give him some money. He, he got plenty of it, you know what I mean? But it just shows you, like you said, like the games and mechanisms that continue to be played on our people, man. You know, these silly games and stuff, man. Whenever they, when the black folks do something, they always come with some old nonsense to try to deny the brothers and sisters what, 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 what they are rightfully do. You know what I mean? That's what it all comes down to, you know. White racism, and like you say, they put these people out there and stuff to try to attack our people. And and, and, and and when you played that clip of that sister, she was pitiful, man. When it was, what you call it, I think the, 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 the Women for Liberty, I think it was Cardelli, the name? Yeah, um, in the Mo- show. Moms for Liberty, yeah. Mm-hmm. Moms for Liberty. I mean, she's a... I mean, again, it's, it's, I'm not, you know, it's, it's sad to see a sister that's low her pride that you that you at the behest of white racist women that wouldn't give a don't give a damn about you, wouldn't spit on you if you was laying on the ground on fire, they wouldn't spit on you, and you out there being their talking point. You know, it harkens it harkens back, brother Ellen Richard, in, in the time from we can listen to it in several years ago, and I, and I try to get these few things done. Y'all want to cut it, you know, get off, so I'm gonna try to tie this up in the next 
two, two or three minutes. It reminded me of this sister years ago here in Philadelphia. She was um, she attacked Johnny Cochran and stuff, and Johnny Cochran told her she should be ashamed of herself because she got up there and, and, and right, right on AM Philadelphia with Wally Kennedy's show. She used to become on, on, on Channel Six back years ago, and she called herself. She was the she was the Philip she was the head of the Philly chapter of the NAAWP, the National Association for the Advancement of White People, and, and she was elected to be the a, a, a black face on white power because she said she gets tired of white people being discriminated against this country, saying that the, the white the, the white women and white men are the most discriminated people in this country, and she just as a black woman she couldn't take it no more. And here's the kicker, Ellen Richard. She was born and raised right in the heart of North Philadelphia, poor as a church mouse, you know what I mean? And she advocated for these racist bigots and stuff. I mean, some of, some of these niggas, they, they don't have no sense of pride or nothing. They, they just used and, and used, and they, they have no problem being a tool to be used and abused. And as long as they get a couple of trickers from these Caucasians, they'll sell their own mother out down the drain. You know what I'm saying, brother? Like, it's a disgrace for me. Johnny, I never forget Johnny Crockham told me, you're a disgrace for you to even be out there saying something like that. Even let them words come out your mouth when you look at how your people that look like you being treated in this country, you talking about some, some damn white woman and some white man is being discriminated against. And like you just said, Ellen, in those stats you read off about how white people, how they fare better, you said of how a white guy coming from a single household fared just as well as a black man that got a college degree or whatever, you know, financially that is. You know, the money they make, how you said the, the black lawyers, the black doctors, how they make less than their white counterparts. And, and these Negroes get them to talking this foolishness. Ah, man, I'm telling you, man. It's just, it just let us know, Ellen Richard, that we got our work to do, man. That's why I'm, I come from the school of thought of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, do for self the Honorable Marcus and Messiah Garvey is to up you will, you mighty nation, because we, I mean, we have got to do these things. We know the opposition we're going to face from Caucasians, but we also know, and in, in the, in the liberals and the so-called white liberals and conservatives within the white man's uh, ranks, but we also know we have to be aware of the Negroes that we're going to face, too, the, the Negro opposition and stuff. These Negroes, they can get up there and talk about, they don't want to talk about uh, race, racism and slavery because it makes black people a uh, uh, second-class citizen, all this BS, and, 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 and it's, it's racist against white people, all this nonsense. Well, well, and Richard, you go by that stuff, right? Now, you know how, see, when you talk about critical race theory, see, what, see, what a lot of blacks don't understand, Ellen Richard, is that, see, white folks, they want to shed anything discussion off, because you look, look I'll give you a good example, and I'm go, I'll use these last two and I'm gone. Look at Thomas Jefferson, a so-called founding father. Now, what most white folks, I tell you, Ellen, tell me if I'm wrong, and Richard, they'll say, well, Thomas Thomas Jefferson was a great man. He, you know, he was a fa- one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence, but he also was a slave owner, and he was a pedophile. This man raped a young black girl, Sally Hennings. We all know the story. Got fathered but three or four children by her. But yet, white folks, the same white folks. Now, this is this is the mentality you're dealing with, Ellen Richard. At the time we can listen to it. These same white folks are sitting and tell you. That Bill Cosby is 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 a, is, is, is a rapist, which which he never which he which he never raped nobody. It's a so-called deviant sexual assault. But yet they'll tell you the thing with uh, uh, Thomas Jefferson, Sally Henry, a slave girl, was his love affair. Remember my brother L.S. shared with you how brother Wayne, may God bless his soul, how Wayne went ballistic on his white woman at the Franklin Institute because she was trying to push this narrative that Thomas Jefferson and his slave girl had a love affair. And Wayne went ballistic. Well, i never seen brother Wayne get so upset in my life because Wayne's usually cool, and, 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 but he just couldn't take it no more. He said, how dare you when this man was a, a grown damn man raping a, a young girl, pedophile freak, and he, you cross her 
was a few say it's a love affair, no damn love affair it was rape and stuff like that. And and and, and, this, and this white girl, no, that was been the other way around. A black man even thought of doing something like that would have been hanging from some tree somewhere. You see how you see how they believe the Emmett Till just for allegedly wasn't that a white woman? But they go and they even had to know to make a movie trying to imply that it was a, a love affair. I mean, these people just change the narrative all the way around. So you see, clearly they don't want they talk, they want you to. They want they taught that Thomas Jefferson was a great man, but no, they don't want to talk the fact that he was a slave owner and a pedophile and a rapist. They don't want that taught. Just like um, brother, um, who was it? Uh, brother West from from Georgia called earlier about about George Washington. They always talk about he never told a lie. Lincoln never told a lie, but they don't want to tell the truth. And, and, and brother West was spot on. George Washington ripped the teeth. Can you imagine? Put yourself in these brothers' place, Elliot Richard. He actually went and not not you know anesthesia like Brother Michael said anesthesia you know daughter pain. This devil went there and just yanked with a pair of pliers or whatever he did and just yanked the teeth out of his black slaves and and stuff and put them teeth in his mouth. And, so he just yanked the teeth out their mouth. And these brothers sitting there with their screaming in agony with blood dishing down their face. Can you imagine the pain them brothers suffered when watch George Washington did this to these people? How in the remain a barbaric can you be? But see, they don't want those kind of things taught to white children as well as black children. They would have put this narrative that America is a great Christian nation. They don't do nothing wrong, and you know, and and, and black people like they even they, they, they even use a fool like Ben Carson. Well, black people were not slaves. They was hard workers and all this. I mean, there's all kinds of fool. This and stuff, man. So we just got to, I just close with this, Ellen Richard. We just got to continue to fight back against this nonsense and foolishness. And like you said, Ellen, it's up to us as a people to teach our children the truth, man. That's that's what it starts at the home. Teach our children the truth, man. That's what it all starts at. But Ellen Richard, thank you for letting me express myself, brothers, and I'll put me on, on mute, Ellen, and I'll listen to the close out of the show. Thanks for your call. You're welcome, sir. Richard, let's, let's take our last call. Let's go to 505, 505. Oh no! I just turned it on. I'm I'm listening. That this brother was pretty strong. I'm just listening, my man. All right, thanks. Yes, sir. Richard, come to the end of another program, man. Spirited discussion. I, I, you know, I like the open forums when we just talk about some things and kick issues around. Yeah, it's uh, definitely engaging, and I, I do I do learn I do learn a lot from us, you know, uh, and I think that that's important. Um, one thing that came out of our discussion tonight that, um, you know, early on in the back and forth, what we do need to celebrate is our memory. Um, and, you know, and we need information and we need, you know, our experience and we need to feel confident to be able to express our memory. And we can call our memory our history. But when we do that, then within that is the solutions and the challenges that we face. But when we act like we have no memory and we're only living in the now, then we're we're um, always questioning something as if we don't understand it. When really things don't change, they really remain the same. It's just time, just quote unquote, time moves on. And and you got a couple of different camps, and it might be more than more than a couple, but you got some of our people that might not be aware of a lot of their history, mm-hmm. and then you got some that are aware of it but they don't want to make their white allies feel uncomfortable. So they don't want to talk about it. Mm. So, uh, and you see a lot of that, especially now you see less of people, especially our people that are not. In fact, that's all I'm talking about. <clears throat> you see less of our people that is not aware. They might not be aware of the, the particular fine points, 
but they're generally aware of a lot of the, the things that we experienced. But you got a lot of our people now that uh, consider themselves, uh, 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 they need white allies. They don't want these things being talked about. They don't want to hurt white feelings. You know, you, you, you got a lot of this type of stuff. It's a slave, just like uh, um, Albert Clegg said in that clip I played. We're part of a slave culture. That's a slave mentality. Before we uh, wind up things this evening, I just want to give out the lineup of Time for an Awakening Media. That's uh, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. African Perspectives with Brother Oshi. Uh, always interesting guest and dialogue on African Perspectives. That's 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Uh, later on that evening, Acres of Diamonds with Brother Jihad Ahmed from 6 to 8 and from 8 to 9. Monday evenings, Black Therapy Central with hosts Dr. Mawia Kanban and Dr. Kamal Kanban. And then from 9 to 10, the conversation reparations, the first and third Mondays of the month. On Tuesday, Black Reality Think Tank from 8 to 10 p.m. with host Dr. William Rogers. On Wednesday, it's our time, the Black Farmers Program. That's West Georgia Cooperative, and that's from 8 to 9 on Wednesday evenings. Thursday, Black Reality Think Tank Part 2 is back or is on from uh, 8 to 10 uh, on Fridays. Time for an awakening from 8 until Saturday afternoons from 4 to 6 p.m. Black Sister Talk with host Lawanda Chambers. And uh, later on Saturday evening, the elders of Sankofa with Brother Alfonso Watkins as host. And then time for an awakening is back on Sunday. I want to thank everybody for listening to the program this evening. Lively discussion. As always, and we'll be back on Friday, Lord willing, to continue this path on, uh, towards an awakening. Peace. Peace. Are you watching your children playing after school?
Children. 